Welcome to Sounds Familiar, a podcast where we discuss two pieces of media that share themes, plot points, or overarching ideas. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram to keep up to date with our upload schedule, news, and discussions. Take your seat, grab your popcorn, and silence your cell phones now. Please enjoy the show. Thank you for joining us this week. My name is Caleb, and I can't feel any of my extremities. Who's here with me this week? My name is Stephanie, and I'm wanted by the Knights of the Holy Order for the murder of 12 men, 6 women, 4 children, 3 goats, and a rather nasty massacre of poultry. And I'm Justin, and I'm an immortal sir, not a gazelle. (laughs) (laughs) Great round tonight, gentlemen. (laughs) This week, we will be discussing uh, two of my favorite movies from this time period. The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen and Van Helsing. Stephanie, Uh, would you like to give us our (laughs) point of comparison? Yes, there's actually quite a lot to be compared between these two, just at the outset. Uh, So they are both uh, action films of the early 2000s, directed by Stephen Summers, about uh, characters from classic 19th century literature. So... (laughs) My it's man very has specific. a right. He has so, a niche. He also directed the first two Mummy films. Yeah, makes total uh, sense. So yeah, totally in line. Um, I would also like to note that the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen is roughly based on the first volume of a comic series by the same name. Right. So it is a movie about a comic series about characters from classic literature. Yeah. <laughs> and Alan Moore loves it. Does he actually? No, he hates it. God, (laughs) (laughs) he hates the movie. Yeah, (laughs) I was going to be pleasantly surprised there. Alan Moore hates everything, though. So that's true. Right, (laughs) that's that's the default for him. That's what I was expecting. So when you said he loved it, I was like, oh, that's interesting. But then, never mind. (laughs) I love it. Should I? I don't know. (laughs) But do I? Yes. (laughs) I love the concept of it so much. The execution is a slightly different matter, I think. The execution is half the fun. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The concept is more fun, I think. It's just perfect schlock from this era of film, but I I can't look away. (laughs) I know. It it has a very early 2000s equality to it. Not just talking about the bad CGI either, (laughs) Um, of which there is plenty in both of these movies. Yeah, like, I think they're perfectly enjoyable. Like, you can, sure, you can criticize plenty of them, and they're both probably not as good as The Mummy. No. I would hazard. <laughs> no. Um, the Mummy is a bit more focused. <laughs> um, but I don't know. They're a lot of fun. I, they are I can't fun. hate them. Yeah. Um, I, I think they are a lot of fun. And um, the concept for me, for both of these, is just so, like, I just love it so much. So because, on brand. Right. It, it's, right. It's so on brand for me because it's like, so I grew up homeschooled and reading a lot, actually almost exclusively reading uh, stuffy classic literature because that was all my parents would let me read, Uh, (laughs) which is a little funny because as we all know, a lot of classic literature had some kind of wild shit in it, but, (laughs) but you know, that there's the assumption there that it's more wholesome. So I read a lot of these books and, um, you know, so there's a particular kind of charm to seeing them brought to life in this kind of very 
particular way. <laughs> um, and um, I do appreciate it for, for what it is. I can't help wishing in some cases that it was, like I said, executed a little bit better. Uh, as we'll get into with League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, I think there is so much potential in this concept, like with all these big personalities coming together that doesn't quite gel. There might be a few too many introduced for the... I think so. Starting think off so. with Justice League. <laughs> um, <laughs> they, yeah. they didn't do their building. Come on, I need my Alan Quarterman <laughs> solo series, and don't tell me to read. <laughs> don't tell me to read King Solomon's Minds. Why would I do that? Yeah, which... Um, interesting decision to make Alan Quartermain the main character when he's yeah. easily the least well-known of the characters in this movie. Like, the first, growing up watching this movie, I had no idea he was from anything. You thought he was yeah. just, like, I thought he was an, an OC. Origin- yeah, I thought he was an OC just to, like, lead the team. <laughs> that would be pretty funny. The director just makes his OC the most badass one of all because <laughs> I made him. Like, that's pretty hilarious. No, actually, I it's actually kind of only by happenstance that even I know about uh, Alan Quartermain and King Solomon's Minds because I think one of my brothers was reading it for school. Like it wasn't even uh, me, it, it was one of them. And so I started reading it. I was like, okay, this is a little racist, but it's interesting. Uh, <laughs> long story with that. Anyway, uh, so check out King Solomon's Minds if you're into like kind of weird, questionable, melodramatic, uh, old timey adventure stories. Um, is it Brit- is it like British Age of Exploration? Yeah, definitely, okay. definitely. Um, and uh, so, th- because it's such a he's such a comparatively not as well known character, at least mm-hmm. not as much as you know Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde or uh, Twenty Thousand Leagues. Easier to make as your main right, character, think, so you can kind yeah. of mold him more to what you need him to be because there's no pre-existing idea of what he should yeah. be like the public mind the public consciousness right i'm um, wondering if because uh, i have never read the comic series it's a huge gap in my uh comic loving self uh so i'm wondering if he takes point in the books the same way or if they were just able to cast sean connery <laughs> that's yeah. a good question that also on him uh also this is sean connery's last film he ever made oh was it really he has yet to make make a film since this movie wow i mean he was pretty old even at the time so (laughs) (laughs) wow way to go out (laughs) (laughs) i know that's quite a last film but um yes that was an interesting choice and uh i didn't hate it honestly i liked that there was a character that they could uh maybe project onto a little more as the main character without all the baggage of like we said the public opinion of them the only one here who is probably known by most people is Jekyll and Hyde. That's true. They are kind of all on various degrees of recognizability. Yeah, like when this came out, maybe a handful of people had seen the original Dracula or Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula. And even then, of the people who saw that, how many of them remember Mina Harker? Yeah, or that's, they don't recognize many, Mina. From how it. many people have read The Picture of Dorian Gray, which funnily enough, is the singular piece of classic literature that I've read and that <laughs> Stephanie also hasn't, if I remember correctly. No, I have. You have? Okay. I, See, I, I don't even have that. Senior year of college. I don't even have that on her. So, um, <laughs> for me, the most recognizable characters are um, Captain Nemo, uh, Moriarty, obviously I was a big Sherlock uh, yeah. reader. Um, and is, 
Is Gentleman Thief like an actual character from something, or is he just a stand-in for the Invisible Man? I thought he was the Invisible yeah, Man. Yeah, he is the Invisible yeah, yeah. Man, isn't he? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to assume <laughs> it's probably that, yeah. a safe... No, okay, it's either he's the Invisible Man, or he's like a copycat. I... Ooh, okay, I'm sorry, that's... <laughs> that's triggering something down in my brain. He's like a copycat of the original. The internet will tell us. Jumping into the meat of the movie, my very first note is, this is going to be a running theme, a comparison to the first Avengers film, <laughs> yep. in which our villain, uh, quote, uh, says something about the evolution of war. So we've got a villain trying to start a world war, um, which is kind of what Loki was trying to do, right? Trying to start yeah. a war between the Chitauri and Earth. Yeah. yeah, he just wanted to rule it, but I mean, yes. yes. That uh, is what this guy said. My first note is, I love a big, dumb tank. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have a note that corresponds with that. Um, quote, men go crunch, tank go burr. <laughs> <laughs> uh, tank go burr. <laughs> oh, That's true. Those men did get crunched. Uh, that tank said, all cops are best. <laughs> um... That's two in a row. Um, <laughs> this sounds familiar. We did this last episode. I also noted that the villain is very Red Skull-esque. Hmm. Um, the mask. And everything. The mask is deformed. He's showing up to steal something at the very beginning of the movie with his tanks. You, you know. know, it's weird because he... I... <laughs> okay, I don't really know if the statement even means anything, but he doesn't come off very Moriarty. Moriarty-ish to me until he starts doing the thing and then and then I took a DNA sample from you whenever I brushed by you in the hallway. <laughs> like I don't whatever he says. So so just just let's get into this really quick because okay. So Moriarty, one of the smartest men alive, when he supposedly dies, he doesn't do anything to change his appearance. He just goes somewhere else, calls himself M very obvious like it's the first letter of his name he's a recognizable person but then he also puts on a skull mask to run around and do you i have no idea what his end game was what his thought <laughs> process was he was just kind of doing things well yeah the plot in this movie does get very complicated like like Stephanie has mentioned previously that it's just kind of running from set piece to set piece to do something. Yeah. The and yet the actual, plot somehow manages to be really complicated. Yes, the actual plot is like war profiteering, basically. <laughs> he's yeah. trying to start a world war, which he will profit from, and also he's trying to um, steal like DNA samples of, and um, take stuff from our heroes so that he can create an army that's a bunch of them. Like, he steals Hyde's formula so he can reproduce it. But I feel uh, like almost all of that could have been done in the scene when he was introducing them. Mm. Like, everything else... Yeah, what if he just shook hands with Shut up, just shut your mouth. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> uh, fun fact about this movie, it was released on my birthday. Hey. Oh, birthday. <laughs> Thank you. It's like it was made for you. Um, let's see. No so there's he shows up, he steals the plans of Venice. Yeah. And then I'm assuming we jump to Africa and meet Alan Quartermain. Oh yeah. In between that I wrote down two things. Uh first thing was 
theme of technology slash industrialism, which I will go so far as to say this movie does actually kind of almost have themes. Yeah, um, they, there's <laughs> even a scene where they're like um, complaining that the bad guys have fully automatic weapons. They're like, that's not sporting. <laughs> right, and I, I think that's cool because it's kind of showing how these characters of, mm-hmm. I think, entirely the 1800s are reacting to the Industrial Revolution and yeah. kind of the turn of the century, which is interesting. It is turn of the century. This, was, this takes place... Um, like 1899, 50, right? Yeah, several years, a number of years before the start of World War One. Right. Um, so the technology here is way too advanced. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the car. Oh my god, that was oh, when it. Hold on, hold on. Me. I have a note. Love a big dumb car. <laughs> <laughs> it was both um, of those things. Um, yeah. So that was kind of interesting because it shows how their products of the past and it's transitioning into the future. Um, and there is that line at the end where he says to Tom, uh, may this new century be yours as the last was mine. So it's very much that kind of the theme of mm-hmm. a new world dawning, sort of. Which is a little interesting. More, more World War One trivia, which we had previously. Uh, <laughs> Caleb knows his World War I of, trivia. Part of the problem with World War One was that like, going into it, there hadn't really been any large-scale conflicts with the technology available at that time. Like, part of the reason the French got so destroyed at the beginning is they were still bat- fighting battles like it was, like, Napoleon's era. Um, yeah. So all of this, it re- the, the evolution of the technology was really significant. Um, okay. Do we have any more notes on the opening scene? <laughs> my, uh, nope. my only other one was exposition through newspaper headlines. Another <laughs> felt very uh, of its time, kind of. Yeah. Like, it, to the point where it was comical. Like It was. Some of those headlines were pretty funny. Like, they responded to each other. Like, first one thing would happen, then headline mm-hmm. would show it. Then, like, something blew up, and it was like, thing blows up. <laughs> like, it was pretty great. <laughs> um, okay, so anyways, uh, yeah, we're in Africa now for this one segment, I guess. We come back at the very end. That's true, that's true. Alan Quarterman, I'm guessing King Solomon's mine is in Africa? Yes. Okay, so So he is retired to Africa, and a gentleman from Her Majesty's Secret Service, or whatever he's from, comes to recruit him to uh, lead a team of unique men. (laughs) Wonder where we've heard that before. Hmm. I'm putting together a team. Um, (laughs) Bad guys show up, they're wearing plate armor, which completely deflects the bullets, and they're wearing like German World War One era helmets, but like the, the flat ones, not not the not the pointy ones. Um, blah blah blah. Exposition. Quartermain I feel. Do it. Oh, sorry. Um, I feel so bad for the guy who like the eighteenth or the eighteen hundreds equivalent of taking Quartermain's calls. Uh, yeah, I feel so bad for that guy. <laughs> I know. Oh yeah, there's, oh, there's, there's, there's a gentleman right? who pretends to be Quarterman, but like he, he's a friend of his. They're they're old buddies, and he pretends to be Quarterman so that when people come seeking him out, he sits there and tells the stories that Alan doesn't care to tell anymore because he I just wants to sit there and read the that. paper That's... and drink his drinks. I must have been writing something down. That's a funny little detail. I yeah, and that. so then the Secret Service guy shows up and reveals he's the real deal, and then he tells him you know, toddle off, you know, I can handle this. Um, Then the bad guys show up, um, blow up the bar, Alan impales one of them on a rhino horn. Dope. Uh, Yeah, gruesome. Um, I think that's about all that happens. They head back to London. 
Uh, oh, I did write down almost literal Chekhov's gun uh, because there is the scene where he shoots at the guy who's running away. Mm, Horrible. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, we, yes. we, we set up from the very beginning that Alan Quartermain is a very capable marksman. Um, but he's also getting old and will soon be gone. I'm getting too old for this shit. He needs another marksman. I'm getting too old for this shit. <laughs> shite. That's the what he would say. Yes. Right. So Alan is taken back to London. I don't know. Who knows how long it's been since he's been back to England. Um, and he is introduced to M, the mysterious, I don't want to say benefactor. He is the person sponsor? bringing, yeah, sure. Organizer. He is he's their, their government sponsor bringing together this team. Um, and this is where we start to slowly, where we're introduced to most of, all but, all but one of the, the main characters here. No, we don't get introduced to Jekyll slash Hyde here. Okay, sorry. All but three. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> I actually um, don't remember who all is introduced. We here. meet. Well, first we meet Captain Nemo. Yes. Um, then the Invisible Man, Rodney Skinner. Um, do we meet Dorian here? I think yes, we do. Because we meet Dorian the Gray because this is what yes. And, so yeah. we meet Dorian Gray and um. Mina Harker. Um, no, that's at a separate location. We go to a second location. <laughs> yeah, they go to the, the docks. Yes. So this is just Nemo and the Invisible Man. Um, and then, and Mina, I think. Yes. They go to like a different room, <laughs> a different building somewhere else, I think. And that's where they meet um, Dorian Gray. And Tom Sawyer trails them there because right, Tom Sawyer is in this. Um, yes, also. yes, but he is grown up and hot now. He's a big boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they, could, they couldn't afford... Um, doesn't matter. I'm not going to say his name. Um, <laughs> now I'm curious. Yeah, I need to know who you were thinking of. Yeah. Uh, he's, got the, he's got the Heath Ledger hair. That's it. That's what I was thinking of. Oh, they couldn't afford Heath Ledger? Yeah, they couldn't afford Heath Ledger. He's got the, they got did the get hair. the guy from A Walk to Remember, though. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh, yeah, that guy. I don't remember his name. He's um. Like <laughs> so then they're, they're attacked by the bad guys there again um not even sure why no yeah they're just kind of there and then m shows up not m m doesn't show up the phantom shows up the phantom, the phantom with an which F. leads me into what i said the phantom of the opera should have been in this because <laughs> the the book for, is from around that time period he would have been a great addition he's a master of disguise he's great at Drama. Uh, he's great at drama and theatrics. Also, he can assassinate people because technically he did hang a guy during an opera and he snuck up on him. So he can do that and <laughs> he should have been in it. And that's my spiel. Right. Who would have been in a fight? Phantom of the Opera or Batman? No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, now that I'm thinking about it, uh, that feels like 100% what they were going for. They just took Moriarty and the Phantom the and Phantom. just fusion dance them together into the worst villain. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so while we've already blown it out of the water, M is Moriarty is yeah, Phantom. Surprise! Um, who is also the Duke in Moulin Rouge and also <laughs> Dracula in our other movie 
Van Helsing. <laughs> My myth has been across the board here. We cannot escape this man. No, I, he does a good job, to he be fair. He does a great job. I didn't recognize yeah. him in any either of these movies. No, he like, doesn't He doesn't talk with the same, like... No, he's ever. not talking like this. So <laughs> I don't recognize him. I recognized his face here, and I was like, okay, that's the guy from Moulin Rouge, but I had to... I actually had to IMDB for Van Helsing to make sure yeah, I, I wasn't Yeah, I did not recognize things. him as Dracula. Um... No, he does he does really well, honestly. He he very much like transforms into the role. Like I don't really like the way they handled the villain in League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, but I do think he did a good job with what he was working with. So in the scene they're self they're attacked by a phantom and his henchman Tom Sawyer shows up and he, he starts blasting. Um <laughs> and, cause like a true American. Because he's the American, that's what he oh, does. Yeah. And this is where we find out that Mina Harker is a vampire Apparently. and was bitten by Dracula. Um, because she was married to Jonathan Harker. Um Right, and, and I can I just point out how funny it is that everyone's like, Oh well, why couldn't we have gotten Jonathan? I was like, You want Jonathan? You want fucking white bread as Keanu Reeves at his lowest acting ability when we know he can do much better. Jo- that Jonathan Harker, that one, the one who was just trailing around after Van Helsing while he did everything and was mm. like, Oh, I just hope that Mina will be all right. Like <laughs> one, that's the one you miss. But it um uh, it's just odd that Mina was the one who was chosen because it's kind of like, why, why Mina? Because in the original, I mean, God love him. It, as much as I do love the the whole Dracula story by Bram Stoker, I mean, she, she is very much just kind of a nothing character. Like she's a damsel in distress. That's, you know, if, you expect it. Yeah. If you're going to yeah. take anyone from Dracula to be a member of your team, Oh, I wonder who has a whole movie about being a vampire and being a badass. Like it's Van Helsing. Now, all of that being said, I really enjoy what they do with Mina in this movie. She's Me a great too. character, I think. I'm... I know. I like the fact that like, she's the scientist. Like, and also like, That's, the, yeah. The, the, of course, we have two of those on this team. <laughs> Her and I Hi. think that I do like that she was characterized as be, as being a scientist. However, I don't think that was really utilized that much. It was mm. more just kind of, we, you know, we kind of saw her looking at stuff a couple of times. She talked about a couple of things, but I feel like she, it would have been nice for her to have a little more of a moment maybe. Yeah. And uh, I think honestly, that was kind of a criticism I had of the movie in general was I think more of the characters. <laughs> yeah. Uh, God help me, needed a badass moment. Like, they they all kind of do stuff, but I would have liked more of, like, you can't believe I'm saying this, Martin Scorsese hates me, in Avengers, <laughs> when, um, you know, they each kind of get their moment to really shine, and I would have liked to see more of that here. And she does get to shine in her uh, vampire capacity. Yes. Uh, but I would have, you know, liked to see more of her other sides, too. Um it, it, it is kind of funny. <laughs> in my notes, I wrote, uh, why is Mina here? Why not Van Helsing? Was there literally no other female character to choose from? Then I wrote in parentheses, possibly not. Because uh, with the kind of story they were trying to put together. Uh, yeah, I, who were they going to take? I Joe know, March? honestly. <laughs> she wishes. I, I she did, kicks some ass. That's true. She, through sheer force of will alone. I did think through my knowledge of, you know, the the 
I guess you would say Western classics, as we would call them. Um, I try to think if there were any like female characters that could even verge on sort of maybe having some some kind of supernatural ability. Mm-hmm. And uh, now someone is gonna when we eventually publish this, someone's gonna comment and be like, "Wow, I can't believe you forgot," and then like lay it to us. So forgive me if I'm forgetting anyone. <laughs> but yeah, I, I really couldn't think of any, which is a little depressing in and of itself. But um, so I will give them this, that they actually did want to include a female character when they could have just not done that. And for the early 2000s. Good job. Yeah, exactly. You get a gold star. (laughs) So I think that um, Mina was the closest they could get. Yeah, look, we had a woman and a Sikh in this movie. Like that's you true. get gold star for representation in 2003. Have, <laughs> right, we do have a non-white member of the team. So in this scene, we're also introduced to our other potentially problematic character, maybe just a little bit. I don't know. Um, our sassy Wolverine, because oh <laughs> we find out that Dorian is unkillable. Yeah. Uh, so uh, this fight scene, I actually kind of like. Um, it might be my favorite in the movie. The one in the library? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like getting to see everybody use their powers for the first time again. That was a huge thing in the first Avengers movie. Um, But uh, I just, I liked it. They gave him a literal Wolverine moment where he gets stabbed. No, he gets shot a lot. Then he's just Yeah, he gets riddled up at close range with a fully automatic weapon. And And he just kind of rips his shirt off. (laughs) Yeah, that's his whole character. Gets shot, loses an article of clothing. Well, he walks off screen after that and then comes back with a different shirt (laughs) and, like, a brand new vest. (laughs) Did you have a suitcase back there? (laughs) Uh, uh, There's also, in this fight scene, there is a German version of a Wilhelm scream, which I thought was hilarious. (laughs) I did not notice that. What does that even sound like? Uh, I want to isolate that audio clip and stick it in. (laughs) Yeah, I'll I'll try to find it. Uh, (laughs) And if I do find it, we'll play it right now. There we go. <laughs> um, and I hate to go, I hate to keep going back to shitting on M, but uh, in my notes I put, he is every Cobra character rolled into one. <laughs> <laughs> With a terrible fake Russian accent. Oh, so, bad. Um, so Phantom gets away, um, but they kill the rest of his lackeys. And then we head to the Nautilus. Because we have to get to Venice? I believe yes. so. We have to there get were to people Venice. partying with masks on and water, so I'm going to assume it was Venice. We have to get to Venice because there's like a peace conference or something and they're going to kill a bunch of world leaders. Um, I have a quick note about the Nautilus. Uh, the note is, I love a big dub submarine. <laughs> <laughs> Justin's really keeping us focused this episode. <laughs> um... So we're on the submarine. We get a bunch of characters work. The submarine is also known as the Act Two. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. Um, the good ship Act so Two. This is where we get all of our quiet character moments. Um, uh, we, we are also introduced to the first mate of the ship, Ishmael from Moby Dick. <laughs> he, he just casually he says, Call says, me Ishmael. <laughs> this is my first mate. Call me Ishmael. Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. I, I did kind of love that. I'm, I'm digging this so, so far. Great. I'm in here. Um, we get like Tom Sawyer bonding with Quartermain as Quartermain is teaching him to shoot. Um, this else? is also where we learn about uh, Quartermain's son's death and that he's what? carrying that weight. 
he engaged he in simile at one point. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's about as smart as, as Jekyll. Right, he's just he's bad. Just more malevolent. It's just, yeah. it's funny because it's extremely, it's extremely literalizing the whole, his bad side takes over, but it's, he also has the same powers of speech. So it's a little funny because he's also a huge rage monster, <laughs> unlike in the, uh, in the original story. So then after we capture Hyde on the way to Venice, um, thing, items from each hero start going missing. Um, uh, Hyde, uh, Jekyll, he's transformed back into Dr. Jekyll, um, has a bottle of his potion go missing. Um, what else? We find um, uh, magnesium phosphate on the deck of the ship. I'll be honest, was taking, I don't remember any of this. Someone was taking photos. Yeah, someone it's the is accumulating flash powder from the camera. Yeah, someone is accumulating information and uh, about our heroes before we get to Venice. Yeah. Um, and everyone suspects Skinner because he's invisible. Who else? Like, <laughs> who knows what he's up to? He could be doing anything. <laughs> yeah, and then also um, Quartermain did catch Skinner in his quarters. His quartermains? Yes. Um, his main the, quarters? There is one complaint I would like to make about this movie. That's, his name is Alan Quartermain. But the, oh On the IMDb, God. it says quarter as in 25 cents. The subtitles in this movie remove the R, and it's Quatermain. 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 Um, well, he's just saying it like Sean Connery would. Like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I I don't know which is correct. I just didn't like the inconsistency. Um, we get to Venice... And my note is, there is no way the Nautilus fits in these canals. Dude, no. <laughs> this thing is like 50 stories tall. It turns on tall. a dime, come on. <laughs> well, okay, we'll give them that. It didn't turn. They did just go straight in and stop. But it is so tall. I don't care how high out of the water it is. Like, it's, the draft on that thing yeah, is no. not going to fit. Like, this ship was made, wasn't it made with this mission in mind? I don't oh, it? think so. Okay, okay. Because Nemo like, was like commissioned to like help with the mission, but he had the he's had the, he's been the captain of the Nautilus for a while. Uh, did uh, we sorry, I this movie is a fever dream. I can't remember anything. Uh did we already get past the part where Hyde's transformation happened? Uh when there was the uh when the ship was flooded. That's after Venice. Is that see Yeah, it's okay. We'll now. get there. I have something <laughs> I very specific I want to say about that. Yeah. Um or we'll get to it. <laughs> we'll get to it. So there's a bunch of bombs underneath Venice, strategically set up to make it fall like dominoes. I don't know how accurate this is. I know Venice is like a floating city. I don't know how deep the water is underneath the city. I Every time I try to think about it, I'm like, I don't know how true this is because I find this difficult to believe. That this entire me. city is floating on ancient columns <laughs> that are several stories tall. I don't know. Um, so the heroes realize, or like, there, there's, it's also Carnival, um, and the bombs go off, they're too late, and they have, they try and get ahead of the explosions, their plan, remove it one domino from the chain so that it doesn't take up the whole city, which is where we get the, what, Justin? What do our heroes ride around in? A big dumb car. Yeah. <laughs> that is a fact, yes. Which, there is... No way a car like this existed in 1899. <laughs> We're going to give them the old CinemaSins ding on that one. Because <laughs> that's historically inaccurate. So, 
everyone but Hyde loads up into the vehicle. <laughs> I said I had a note. I said missed opportunity for everyone to pile comedically into the car. <laughs> I was actually sad. I was like, oh, I get it. You're too invested in making these people look cool, so you can't have anyone sitting in anyone's lap in a funny manner. <laughs> like because there are so- okay, I'm sorry. There are so many characters in this. Like there's mm-hmm. too many. Yeah. Uh, and so with that many characters, they should have had a moment. And I'll go to my grave saying this, where they all had to squeeze into the car and get in each other's personal space and everyone would hate it and it would be funny and i would like it i know but okay and I anyway lied. that's my rant everyone but the invisible man and and dr jekyll hop in because the invisible man is missing and dr jekyll is refusing to drink his formula to turn into hide and i don't remember exactly what dorian gray's quote is here but it's the equivalent of be a lot cooler if you did <laughs> what? <laughs> Wasn't that Matthew McConaughey? Not <laughs> cooler if you did. Um, oh, I also had a note about off. that. I said Dorian is there to make bad jokes, <laughs> and that's the end of the. Yes. That's the end of the note because that's what he's there for. He is there to be uh, sassy and uh, of questionable sexuality and mm-hmm. make bad jokes. Yeah. Okay, so I'm just going to skip over this. Our heroes, through various machinations, they all do their thing. They know. Kills a bunch of dudes and drinks a lot of blood, and uh, turns into a scary bat lady vampire. Yeah, scary bat lady for three frames. Yeah, but um, that's it. And then she has to go back to being hot. Yeah, um, and they stop it. Blah blah blah. Turns out, Dorian was the one stealing their stuff. He got Mina's dun, blood, dun, which apparently Mina has blood. Um, he took a skin Who sample knows? from Skinner. Um, <laughs> he took hot, uh, Jekyll's formula. And he uh, took photographs of the interior of the Nautilus so they could copy his technology. And then he steals a submersible that like pops off the side of the Nautilus. Well, he also kills Ishmael. Oh, oh yes. Like Sorry, a dick. I, I skipped that. He right, kills Ishmael. Like a dick. And uh, this is also when um, when the heroes are doing their thing. Quartermain uh, confronts Phantom. And this is where we get the big reveal, not that it's M. <laughs> Oh yeah, the I, every time I watch this movie and there's the big reveal that it's M, I'm like, who? Because <laughs> we've seen at that point in the movie, you have seen M once, right? And there's two reveals with the villain. It's like first it's revealed that is that he's M, then it's revealed that M is Moriarty. Yeah. So it's kind of staggered, and I don't think it's reveal. it's not yeah. very effective yeah. in my opinion. Um. Also, why was M? Why was he running around Venice? I don't know while it was ridiculous. blowing up because he just do things he has no goal he has no plan he's just running around in a metal mask doing dumb shit so look, if 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 i am the man with the plan here i send one of my henchmen to make sure that the bombs go off but we're the heroes are driving down the street 40 miles an hour trying to get ahead of this explosion chain and stop it and quartermain just happens to spot him running down a random alley <laughs> And they he, got jumps, lucky. he yeah. jumps out at full speed and lands flat on his feet. His old ass man bones would have shattered so fast. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> anyway, so that's all ridiculous. It chases him through a grave. We get a death fake blah. out with Tom, but it's okay. He's fine. Um, he survives this. <laughs> ding. Um, Dorian betrays them. He goes off to join him. And we have to, everyone piles back to the Nautilus to chase him down. And they find a record, oh. which, huh? oh my god, uh, my note, nope. uh, I hope I'm extra enough to leave an evil speech on vinyl one day. That is some <laughs> petty 
bullshit, and I'm here for it. I did like that scene. Yeah. They, that actually felt like something Moriarty would do. Yeah, so they, they play the recording, and while it's playing, he's Moriarty is revealing his entire plan to them. He's he's monologuing. Oh, yeah, but it's just, um, which is in character, to be fair. But the record is also, like, playing a super high-pitched tone, which does two things. It does, one, trigger these special crystals, which are connected to explosives all over the ship. Okay. And two, is also triggering Jekyll to turn into Mr. Hyde, which is where we get yet another Avengers comparison. We get the villain setting loose the giant rage monster in the confined ship. Yeah. Um, just like when Loki did it on the, with Hulk on the raft. Yep. Um, hmm. Except we're underwater now. It's, it's the same plan. Um, difference here being that the explosives get set off, he turns into Hyde, and then Hyde ends up saving the day. He, like, yeah, he swims, actually does. He goes through a bulkhead and like swims all the way down and uh, turns some sort of knob that drains the water and they're able to go up to the surface. Right, which was interesting. I, I did uh, write in my notes, Jekyll and Hyde can communicate a lot more than Bruce and the Hulk. Yeah, they literally just have to look into a mirror. Right, they have conversations with each other, which I think is cool. I'm always about mm-hmm. a character having a literalized conversation with their dark side, sort of, which is what happens here. And I guess it, once again, I don't really remember everything that happens, but I guess through this, that's how he ends up not killing anyone and actually saving some of the sailors. Yes, yeah, because there were a bunch of sailors trapped in the flooding bulkhead, and he released the water or something and saved all of them. This is kind of interesting um, because I guess you could consider that him mastering his his shadow. His yeah, there, there's this whole sequence where like he sees his reflection, and Jekyll's like, "I'm proud of you. Like, good job, Hyde." I think Hyde has a first name. I don't remember what it is. Hyde gets a redemption um, arc. Yeah, I'm about it. Um. So our heroes slowly make their way to the frozen tundras of Siberia. Uh, by the way, they're tracking that pod with the most impractical giant silver two <laughs> needles on a map thing. Yeah. And it's big and it's dumb and I love it. <laughs> like everything. In yes. All right, so... Okay, so the, the, I don't know if they're just following the Nautilus or if the the little submarine or if M told them where to find him. I would believe it if if he did. Um I don't know any of the details in this movie. Part <laughs> of that's on me, but a lot of it's on the movie. Wait, uh don't they know where to find him because of a uh telegram or like a Morse code signal they're getting from Skinner? Oh yeah. Skinner okay, so we said Skinner went missing in Venice. That's why he wasn't with them. Um Skinner must have snuck onto the pod or something. Yes. And Skinner ended up in Siberia. And so he was able to contact the rest of the team and tell them where to go. Good note, Justin. Thank you. Um, so we find yeah. the villain's evil factory where he is mass producing uh, ways to turn, to give armies the power of our main heroes. This is the start of Act 3. All of the acts are divided evenly by location. Aw, isn't that nice? convenient. I know. Um, let's see. <laughs> I was trying to think of other examples of movies where the villain makes an army based off of the hero's powers, and I couldn't really think of any. Kind of there are concept. individual examples, like 
you know, Abomination and Hulk and Red Skull and mm-hmm. America, but like I couldn't think of any large scale ones, but I know they exist. Um, yeah. uh, my next note is Hyde equals roided out Biff Tannen. <laughs> what was that thought process? Um, sideburns mostly. <laughs> That's the extent of it. Big, blonde, and dumb. Um, I thought he was ginger. Am I hallucinating? They're close enough in, ah. to, in this movie's color palette. They might as well be the same. <laughs> That's thing. true. This movie uh, doesn't have one. It has three colors: white, gray, and black. A problem it shares with Van Helsing. Yeah, which um, is sad because movies this crazy could have easily had a pretty wild color palette. I mean, I'll allow it in a way because it's set in like yield England and wherever. But Stephanie, movies weren't allowed to have color palettes before Guardians of the Galaxy. That's true. That's true. The two thousands were trying to be the neo black and white era. Somewhere, um, Baz Luhrmann's kidney hurt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so- good for Baz Luhrmann. He was, he was a king of the time. Can I just say? So our heroes raid the castle. It's it's not an exaggeration. It's literally a castle. Um, Mina curls her hair just to go kill Dorian Gray. Okay, can we... I'm sorry. Can, all right. You knew I was going to talk about this. So let's talk about it. Okay. First note. They were cowards to make Dorian so hetero. So they obviously are like, okay, Dorian, he's like the ladies' man, right? And I'm like, okay, sure. I mean, in the book, he does have a lady friend. Like, he has a girlfriend. But he's also pretty gay, too. So I'm like, okay, he could be bi. But we don't really get any hints of that. Guys, once again, they were cowards. Instead, they were like, let's stick him with the only female character. Which, by the way, earlier note, Mina is the village bicycle. Because everyone either has hooked up with her, is trying to hook up with her, or is, for some reason, making comments about her being a woman. Which is understandable because of the circumstances. Like, a little bit of that, you you get it. But also, like, there's this random part where um, Jekyll is, like... Peeping on her Dorian. Yeah, what? (laughs) (laughs) That was one of the personal moments we couldn't remember. That is the only... uh, indication of that for him that we ever get it's just randomly he's there and has like yeah you always look but you don't touch and i'm like yeah what <laughs> also i want to uh so skinner was like one of my favorite characters in the movie up until the point that when he re- meets up with the group again he slaps her ass and is like i've been waiting all week for that i'm like oh what it's everyone it is literally like <laughs> literally the measure of these characters it is not whether or not they are sexist toward her or objectify her, it's how badly they do it. Yeah. <laughs> because hey, they all do. Quarterman like, never the did. One, but... Quarterman yeah, but never he, did. He's too busy being a dad. But he made he still made comments <laughs> made about her being, comments a about a being a woman. Like, yeah. yeah, he he didn't like sexualize her overtly, as far as I can remember. Because yeah, I guess they were like, Oh, well, we don't want him to be a creepy old man. I was like, Oh, you're gonna draw that line. But, <laughs> but um, but he definitely did make some sexist comments. And also there's it's, it's okay. <laughs> it especially annoys me that they like try to force her and Dorian so hard. Not just because of the oh, I think it would have been cooler if he was gay thing. I get it, it was the two thousands, whatever. But also like the fact that I think her and Tom would have been interesting because their personalities are more different and they already had him hitting on her all the time. 
like weirdly and i am all for an innocent all-american farm boy getting with a creepy golf vampire chick <laughs> okay but that's the thing that's just it like it would have been so much more interesting because the dynamics are different like she's older she's more experienced she's like weird and creepy he's kind of naive like i, I cool. demand representation for my people <laughs> Meanwhile, Dorian is just kind of, he's also weird and creepy and I guess kind of goth and everything. And so they pushed this so hard, but I just wasn't feeling it. And like, anyways, so that's a whole thing. And it's the only romance in the movie, if you can even call it that. I don't know. No, it's like, it's like they sexual had sex attention. in the past. Right, right. He wants some more. Mina's like, <laughs> <laughs> you're funny. <laughs> um. Right. It, that's literally all there is to it. They clearly don't really care about each other. It, so it's just weird. So, this is where we get all the heroes fighting their dark mirrors. Um, except I don't think they were able to make any vampires. Um, it, to be fair, this whole tangent got started by you saying, saying uh, Mina, Mina curls her hair, hair just to kill Dorian. Just so kill they Dorian. are kind of um, dark mirrors. So, we managed to fit an abomination in this movie. Yes, abomination. I put Rolk in my... Rolk, Red Hulk. <laughs> they're, the, they're the same thing for the purposes of this movie. Rolk smash. Um, <laughs> Sorry, like Rolk crash or something. Rolk smash. Uh, he drinks too much of the formula, <laughs> and so he gets too big and steamy. It <laughs> <laughs> was big and steamy. <laughs> um, we have, this is another movie where we get a double healing factor fight. Because Mina also has a healing factor like Dorian, Dor which Dorian points out with, we're going to be at this all day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is funny having just watched X2 and I was like, well, here we go again. <laughs> uh, so just, just focusing on the, on the Mina and Dorian fight. Um, I have a note about it where I just wrote "boo." Yeah, honestly, <laughs> when the Dorian are so bad. When Dorian was like, "I always wanted to nail you one more time." <laughs> Pity it has to be like this. I was like, "Ah, oh, no, it was even worse. It was oh god, what was it? It was like okay, so it's bad enough when he says like." something about nailing it whatever but then he says something like i didn't think it would be for real or something and i'm oh, like yeah, yeah, just yeah leave it at the first one you did we, we we were all we all got what you made. i hated you enough already like, yeah exactly <laughs> don't lean in oh he's so uh, i just hate him and it's it's sad because it's the kind of character that could have been likable if they had written him like ever so slightly differently but he was just annoying um but when she shows him the picture. Should we? We should elaborate on this first because not everyone is aware. Um, so Dorian is working for Moriarty because Moriarty has Dorian's painting and oh, yes. his portrait. In the picture of Dorian Gray, his portrait ages, but he does not. And Dorian said earlier in the movie that if he sees it, the magic will be broken and he will die. And I can only presume that if the painting is destroyed, he will also die. Yes. And so Moriarty is using that to control him, which then leads to this scene. Um, uh, when she ends up winning the fight, stabs him to a wall, uh, strong enough to where he can't pull the cane out, uh, she reveals the picture to him, and he starts uh, dying in a very gruesome CGI death. Very Indiana Jones. Um I do like that she was so confident and angry and this is what she wanted. When he starts dying and it's terrible, you see like actual like 
she's not sure she did the right thing or not. Ooh, I, I, I like that. that. I like that was good acting. Actress whose name I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> she yeah, she probably wasn't expecting it to be so gruesome for one thing. But that was that's the closest to like a character moment any of these characters get <laughs> is that one facial expression yeah. where she's like, ooh, maybe this is too much. <laughs> and for all we know, that could have been entirely the actress, but maybe our man Summers had something to do with it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and which actually, gosh, once again, we're being generous saying that this movie has themes, but I guess you could say there are themes here of once again confronting the dark mirror, confronting... Uh, the shadow self, however you want to put it, our Jungian terminology, which I'm really not that familiar with, um, because not only is everyone fighting the bad version of themselves, uh, but also here it's kind of literalized. It's like, okay, well, here's the painting that shows the bad, bad man that you are, and you have to look at it, and it consumes you, because... You know. Welcome to the painting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just like... Okay. Okay. <laughs> Mo- moving on yeah. um skinner is invisible and him and tom are fighting uh someone wearing an iron man mark one suit um there's literally a whole moment where like they're attacking him and like he freezes <laughs> for a second and i heard my turn and then they're <laughs> flamethrowers and then he shoots flames right it's exactly the same and then we get a cgi invisible man on fire running away which is kind of hilarious <laughs> that shot <laughs> so I, I guess we'll take this we'll take this like fight by fight it seems to be the easiest way to make sense of all of this yes uh, when tom finds skinner later after they've defeated the flamethrower guy uh he is burnt to a crisp like you see his invisible yeah. skin like peeled back he is not reacting like it he's like that's the last time i'll play with you. <laughs> <laughs> you're dying <laughs> he's so yeah because that's his entire personality is which also is another example of the problem that is the personalities aren't diversified enough because skinner's the like a quippy guy but so is dorian he's also the quippy guy they're just slightly different quipsters oh god um but anyways yeah so he's not reacting like a man with third degree burns yeah uh um Okay. What is Tom gonna, doing? Like, what? What? I can't. Tom was remember. like, he 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 got into a knife fight or something. Oh yeah. And like he shot, he he blew up the flamethrower dude. I had a um, note. Sorry, once again, I I have to stop and talk about character. Um, <laughs> I had a note about Tom. I said Tom should be more clever slash imaginative, like his original. So if we're looking at this uh, from the standpoint of the original iterations of these characters which I guess we would be remiss not to since they are very different interpretations. I, um, as someone who very much enjoyed the adventures of Tom Sawyer when I was a kid, part of the appeal of the character, uh, in fact, a lot of the appeal of the character is that he has so much personality and he has like this huge inner life. Like he uh, has a, an overactive imagination. He's always imagining himself in these grand adventures as like the big hero and everything. And now um, he's a government agent. Right. And it's it's just really sad because they keep the whole like, oh, he's like a country boy kind of thing, which is cute. Like, I like that. Um, 
but I feel like he doesn't have nearly as much personality and he doesn't have enough backstory to justify his personality having been stripped away from him, apparently, by the U.S. government. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's, that's exactly the reason he's so milquetoast in this movie is he's been brainwashed. <laughs> <laughs> the CIA got to him. Well, no, but think about it. In fact, oh, man, and now I'm actually sad because, like, as I mentioned earlier, I felt like this the the team needed a heart character, and that could have so easily been him. Like, if they had kept him more in line with his uh, his original version uh, from you know from the book, I feel like he could have really easily been that role because he's a an idealistic character, but he's also kind of like a a trickster. He's got a mischievous side, but a really good heart. Like that could have been a great character for that role, but instead they just had him be kind of a jock. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> they could have given him any name and it wouldn't have changed. They his He's Tom right. Sawyer for the sake of saying he's Tom Sawyer. Which, uh, yeah, which is sad because Tom Sawyer, the character has so much personality and uh, could have brought a lot to this movie, like a lot of color. And I'm just kind of sad that he didn't. Anyway, that's my sad rant about that. Okay, so is that pretty much all of the... Uh, well, uh, Tom kind of hops around because he ends up helping Quartermain with the uh, with the Moriarty fight. Um, That's true. Captain yeah. Nemo and Mr. Hyde are fighting. I liked that fight. That was uh, a good fight. Yeah, the whole, like, he's burning through the formula at an accelerated rate gimmick was fun. Yeah. I guess it was interesting. Captain Nemo is a badass swordsman. He, like, cuts the yeah. monster like <laughs> 47 times like yeah that was crazy <laughs> yeah I, li- I liked it and i liked i don't know i liked captain nemo as a character we don't find much about him but it is kind of interesting what little glimpses that we get um and i do wish we got to see him do his swordsman thing more often yeah maybe. i did think it was a little funny that they had two swordsmen him and dorian but i guess they're very like different characters so yeah. i'll allow it um, so then we, we get the refi- this is where we finally get the reveal that M stands for Moriarty, who survived the the Reichenbach Falls. Of course, Dumb. just like Sherlock Holmes, who for some reason isn't here. Save that Dumb. for the sequel. <laughs> yeah. Um. Blah blah blah. This is where. Uh, okay, so Moriarty injures Quartermain, um, makes a quip about his son being dead. And Aww. then Tom puts his marksman skills that he learned from Quartermain to good use and takes Moriarty out before he can reach the life pod, the little mini submarine, and uh, with the, the last samples of the heroes so that he can like recreate the stuff somewhere else. And it falls into the ice, not to be seen again. Um, I, my, my, my note for the last fight is these old dudes are tough AF. <laughs> um, Quarterman takes a beating. Yeah, he does. Something, something. I mean, when men were men, something, something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so Quartermain dies. Um, or does he? We we cut to his funeral in Africa. The rest of the team is there, um, and then uh, Shaman does a dance, and his <laughs> grave starts so bouncing because there was there was a line earlier in the movie mm, that's true where Quartermain tells a story of how he saved a village and their shaman told him that africa would never allow him to die 
Um, my last note for this movie is as the uh, grave starts to wiggle, I put uh, Q Toto. <laughs> oh my god! How great would have that been? And it's just, but it's so weird. It's like what? What could possibly be the purpose of him coming back? Like cinematic universe, baby. Oh my god! No, he's an old ass man. Tom could do everything he wanted that to he die. Do. He right, literally he actually wanted to die. He, he told Tom. Yes, he literally said, like we, like we said earlier, uh, may this. Next, century be yours. Yeah, this new century be yours as the old one was mine. That is a, that's passing the torch. It's time for the old to die. And the Both of his wives on. are dead. His son is dead. He is old and tired and done. Yeah, so it's but like, Africa you won't let him die. <laughs> Africa, why do you hate this man? Oh my god. Because <laughs> he's a colonizer, that's why. Hey, that's fair enough. Uh, <laughs> I, so, carry on. I don't know. If I'm not mistaken, this was meant to set up a sequel. But that was my last note. I said, would have liked to see a sequel to this. Um, would have gone straight to DVD. There is, if I'm not mistaken, there's an HBO series in development. Yeah. Oh, that would actually be so cool. <laughs> um, which I'm, I'm here for. I don't know if that's still on or not. I know it was, there was talks about it. For Look, this concept has so much potential. All it needs is someone to actually get the characters right, get the team dynamic right, make the plot not fucking confusing, and liven up the color palette. There you go. Like, honestly, the movie, it it is good with um, setup and payoff. In particular, I noticed, I, I always appreciate when a movie can do the bare minimum with that like and it did it actually had like recurring points that it followed through on relationships that had culminating points uh you know i liked that i there is a lot to appreciate here and i think it could grow so much more like the concept you can do almost endless stuff with that yeah um uh <laughs> the league of extraordinary gentlemen fight in world war one <laughs> Uh, maybe not <laughs> but yeah so i i would love to see a sequel i hope they do it um all right any final notes justin um no q toto was my last note um the movie is something to behold uh i can't in good conscience tell you it's a good movie i can just say i have fun with it so did i um so did I. all right and on that note We'll catch you guys after the break. Hi everyone, Justin here. Thank you so much for checking out our show. You may notice some audio issues during these early episodes as we're recording them in separate locations during quarantine. It is our intention to record in person once it's safe, but for now, we work with what we have. Please follow the recommended guidelines, wear your masks, stay safe, and enjoy the rest of the episode. All right, for our second half, we're going to be discussing Van Helsing, released the following year from the same director. Um, To introduce this segment, I would like to ask my co-hosts to check their letterboxed accounts um, and find the movie that they have seen that has the least views. Okay, Stephanie, would you like to go first? 
no, but sure. Uh, okay, so mine is The Seamstress, a random-ass, low-budget horror movie that I saw on TV one time in high school, uh, directed by Jesse James Miller, 2009. Um, the... How many people has it been seen by? Uh, one hundred nine people, of okay. which I am one. Uh, this is a, this is according to people who have marked it as seen on Letterboxd. Yeah, it wasn't very good. It was kind of a late two thousands horror movie. I don't really like it. Uh, it wasn't that scary, but there was a lot of blood, so I'm not really a fan of that combination. Mm. Yeah. All right, Justin, what is your least seen movie on Letterboxd? Uh. Mine is the dubbed version of Fatal Fury, the motion picture, uh, with a whopping 49 people on Letterboxd who have seen it. <laughs> wow. And can you, uh, to those of us who don't know, can you explain what Fatal Fury is? Uh, Fatal Fury is the video game franchise that gave Smash Terry Bogard. All right. My <clears throat> film uh, with the least views is... The Adventures of Young Van Helsing, Quest for the Lost that, Scepter. That's how we got on this. <laughs> Directed by Kevin Summerfield and released in 2004. It has been seen by 23 people. Oh my Ooh. god. And how did you end up seeing this? We rented it from a blockbuster. <laughs> because <laughs> I was like, many people did, it though. was cashing in on that Van Helsing money. Wow. Um, <laughs> Apparently. Okay, so... I love the first scene of this movie. It combines so much from classic horror from the movies that it's drawing from. Yeah, that's, um, my, that's my first note is it opens with like an actual universal monster. Movie. Yes, it's, it's black and white. That was a cool choice. Um, this movie draws from Dracula, Frankenstein, and the Wolfman. Um, and our opening scene is in Frankenstein's castle where Dracula is for some reason like commissioning Dr. Frankenstein to build this monster. We halfway um, learn why later. Yeah, we halfway yeah. learn why. But the, the, they whisper it. Um, and the village is angry. So, As usual. So the monster hasn't even been created yet. And the original Frankenstein film, which I can only assume is also how it occurs in the original novel, um, the monster has been unleashed on the town and like he's been terrorizing the townspeople through through fear and misunderstanding and they turn on him and chase him with torches and pitchforks all the way to the windmill. The townspeople kind of preempt this. They're like, something shifty's going on in there. We don't like it. And so they form an angry mob and they chase the monster to Dracula kills, kills Dr. Frankenstein because yeah. he has completed his business. Um, and so the traumatized Frankenstein's monster carries his father's body to the nearby windmill where it is then burned down as happened in the movie. Um, they're mashing up a lot of stuff here. Mm -hmm. Dracula is here for some reason, um, uh, played by the Duke and <laughs> Moriarty. And yep. Benny is here. Benny from The Mummy. Hey. So Stephen Summers loves reusing actors. Apparently, he was um, he, he plays Igor. Um, I, I don't. I love this. I'm a big fan of the classic Universal monster movies. Same. Uh, yeah, it, it it does. 
it plays very much into those similar, well, the similar aesthetic, even if it does kind of <laughs> go off the rails with the other stuff, but yes. <laughs> uh, just a quick note about uh, our Dracula here. I, I put uh, Richard Roxburgh is a great cheesy villain. I know I gave him a lot of crap, uh, but that was not his fault. He he was having so much fun with it. <laughs> right. Um, so then as soon as we leave black and white, we we get introduced to our hero Van Helsing, and who do we meet again? But Mister Hyde, just yeah, to kill him. Looking kind of similar, and yet weirdly not as similar as you would expect for the basically the same iteration of the character. I like, yeah. he looks slightly different. I liked this one more. Yeah, this one more yeah yeah he was he was scary it was he, like climbing around like a big monkey he eats weird. cigars <laughs> Just um, we find out van helsing has these cool spinny blade handheld thingies um <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so he is he has been sent to hunt down mr hyde um for various crimes that stephanie listed at the intro <laughs> Um, for her he's murdered quote. a lot of people and, and a lot of poultry. And he's supposed to bring him in alive, but Van Helsing doesn't care. He's like, you get to decide which way. Yeah. Um, so they have a fight. Mr. Hyde loses his arm. Um, they have this whole sequence where they're like falling off the Notre Dame over and over again. Looney Tunes <laughs> <and> bullshit. <laughs> Love it. Um, and then eventually Hyde falls to his death and he transforms back into Jekyll just in time to see his own death. Uh, oh, so, which is what, so Van Helsing is a wanted man. He's like known as a murderer and finding this, what looks like a normal human being only like feeds into that. They're like, look, it's Van Helsing. He murdered this man. Uh-oh. Um, the, the scene where he shoots the grappling hook through uh. Mr. Hyde and then swings and uses his legs to push off the building. He had so much momentum. The movie should have ended there. Van Helsing would have no legs. Yep. <laughs> yep. That's a good point. You're right. The men in these movies have crazy strong legs and can't get broken <laughs> by anything. <laughs> with Quartermain. Um, for those of you who don't know, <laughs> Van Helsing in the original Dracula film is not an immortal vigilante um he's like an old professor he's an old man (laughs) yeah (laughs) who just so happens to know a lot about vampires no he's Um, i mean he's still cool yeah but very very different kind of character yeah um so van helsing escapes back to the vatican um who he works for um he goes to uh confession (laughs) <laughs> which is the entrance to the Vatican's bat cave. Which <laughs> <laughs> totally exists. Um, it turns out underneath the Vatican, they have a multicultural, multi-religious group, as uh, Ubisoft would say. Um, <laughs> which uh, the Vatican would never allow. <laughs> no, um, working underneath the Vatican in secret to fight against various beasties and monsters and ne'er-do-wells. Um, so we get your standard, this is where we get our cue scene, because yeah. Van Helsing has his own cue, <laughs> um, which I love. I, I watched this movie for years not knowing who this actor was or not recognizing him. That's Faramir. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. 
they managed to desexify him a lot, but you know, I, I still like him. I liked him as a character. I love a him. Lot. Yeah, he's like he reminds me a lot of uh, Riley from National Treasure in this, mm-hmm. um, just a bit spunkier. Um, <laughs> so Van Helsing is told that he needs to go kill uh, Dracula because there was some dude 450 years ago who swore that his family would never enter the gates of heaven until Dracula was like, Dracula's scourge was purged from the land. And it still hasn't been done, and he only has two living heirs Yeah, uh, that was a dick move by that guy. Yeah. Can we just say? Yeah. Because... So now Van Helsing has to go help this family kill Dracula before the last two heirs die, and their family is stuck in purgatory forever. Also, when when he sees the uh, photos of the siblings... As soon as uh, uh, Anna, 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 I can't remember how it's pronounced in this movie, um, is shown, there's like a love at first sight flute in the score. <laughs> it's hilarious. It her hair, her look is so modern. Right. I, um, I, I'm pretty sure I commented about that. She literally just looks like, oh, and here's a hot girl from the 2000s yeah. who is inexplicably. <laughs> 1800. Uh, so I'm, I'm getting a little bit ahead of us here, but uh, my next note after the flute thing is, uh, you can tell the sister is more important because of costume design. <laughs> oh my god. Wait, so what was it? I, I missed this part. What, what? She just has a more outlandish costume. Her brother is just dressed like a dude. Yeah, he's dressed like a dude from the olden times, and she's in this like very bright red like corset thing. Yeah, corset, she's got like high waisted pants. She's wearing costume. pants. I actually liked all of the costumes in this movie, but yeah, hers kicked ass. I really like them. Um, the, <laughs> so her brother, she, Anna, and her brother are trying to capture a werewolf, um, and like the plan kind of goes all right, and then her brother takes a tumble off a cliff with the werewolf. Um, and she assumes he's dead. Um, I don't, we're probably going a little bit out of order. Um, who cares? <laughs> this movie's really long. Um, Van Helsing arrives in Transylvania. Um, and the villagers are like, we don't like outsiders. But then there's a vampire attack because surprise, the Brides of Dracula actually do something in this movie. Yeah. Um, oh, they do a lot. Too much, some would say. <laughs> and so, um. They show up, and Anna does a lot of flipping in, the, in this experience. <laughs> um, so her hair can flip so, around. Yeah, dramatically. Yeah. Um, uh, there's This movie that makes a bold choice, and normally when, like, the hero and, like, his potential love interest, like, crash and, like, fall on top of each <laughs> other, like, it's either face-to-face or, like, the dude face plants in the cleavage or something. This movie went for the rare face-sitting shot, Yes. Um, <laughs> you love to see which, it. Which I gotta admit, I've never seen before in a movie. Um, yeah, because she like falls on top of him, but she falls like straddling his face. Right, basically, like <laughs> like sitting on top of like his chest. Which and, that is a bold and horny movie cho- or choice movie, <laughs> and I commend you for. No, it. <laughs> I literally wrote down um, already more sexual tension between Ben Helsing and Anna than anything in League of Extraordinary. <laughs> so, at least there's that. Um. They manage to kill one of the brides, and the other two fly back, and they're distraught. Um, they go talk to Dracula, and, like, they're hanging upside down. <laughs> That's great. The, the, he's the, just casually walking yeah, it's, upside no, down. I love it. The, the, he, he's monologuing, um, mm-hmm. and he starts walking up the wall sideways, and then walking upside down, and I love it. <laughs> and, well, he is, he, he is so melodramatic. Oh, he's great. I he love is, him. He's great. 
This is a very um, different version of Dracula. Oh yes. He talks a lot. Um, yeah. He, I don't know. He has really long hair. He's kind of super hammy and everything, but in a more like theatrical way than like other versions of mm -hmm. Dracula that were more like low key about it. He is a messy bitch who lives for drama. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I did kind of. <laughs> I did kind of like the choice to make the brides kind of his sounding board, I guess, because, well, that is to say, I like the choice to give him a sounding board because I like that we got to hear a little more from him. Um, and I, you know, I always have been kind of a, a Brides of Dracula fan, mm -hmm. <laughs> just them being background characters. I'm like, I want to know more about these characters. Yeah, because you were, John, they have almost exclusively existed as like temptations for Jonathan Harker you yeah, remove exactly. him we actually give them something to do right like not that they really had distinct personalities or anything but it was no. cool to see more of them and there was the sexy redhead there was the sexy brunette <laughs> and there was the sexy raven-haired one yeah <laughs> boy do they be hissing yes they hiss <laughs> a lot they wail a lot backtracking just a little bit we got a whole sequence where um what is Faramir's character's name? Carl. Carl. Carl the Friar. Um, oh. I love him. I, I always have. Um, we get a great sequence where he's showing off all the gadgets to Van Helsing like in their secret cave. And I always love a good gadget uh, expose yes. sequence. Um, Carl is a friar. He is a friar. Yes, um, which means he can swear, according yes. to him. Damn. <laughs> Damn he gets to fuck. <laughs> yes, um, oh, that's that's when we find out he's a friar. He's like, technically, I'm only a friar. Yeah. Um, anyway, so we're in Anna's <laughs> family's castle. Um, blah blah blah. Sexual tension, exposition, uh, werewolf attack. <laughs> uh, important note: just going way back for a second. Uh, when he's originally, uh, when we're introduced to Carl originally, um, he says he's been working on this sun grenade for 12 years and i don't know what it's for you fight vampires man i know <laughs> i know what it does i just don't know what it's for <laughs> um, anyway hopping back yeah so um there's a werewolf attack and this is where it's revealed that uh anna's brother was able to kill the prior werewolf but he himself is now what um, Van Helsing shows up to help fight him and then he escapes and flees back to Dracula's castle because Dracula uses um, werewolves to do his bidding. Then Van Helsing tries to run off into the night. Oh, a quick note. I hate the flesh-tearing transformation effect. I oh. love it. This mm. is why Caleb can never watch werewolf movies that were made after the black and white era. <laughs> nope. It, do it does the same thing when he's turning back into a human too. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I much prefer the fur just spouts out. Yeah. I, I don't like the, the flesh ripping and tearing. For me, because they get so much bigger, it at least tries to make it make sense. And I'm here for it. <laughs> I, I still prefer it to the Harry Potter style of werewolf. Which is like, looks like a hairless cat. I was gonna say, um, they look skinny and not that intimidating. No. Um... <laughs> My notes kind of trickle down to a, a drizzle here, um, so we're going to have to reference uh, the plot summary. Um, Van Helsing runs into the Gravedigger, who is a sketchy dude, and the, so the Gravedigger is threatening Van Helsing. He's literally like in the middle of the night digging a fresh grave, and the werewolf shows up. Like Van Helsing dodges it, 
and the werewolf tackles the gravedigger. He flies straight into the fresh grave, and then the shovel he was holding flips through the air, lands upright, and his hat lands on the shovel. <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> this movie has little bits of comedy sprinkled throughout it that yeah. feel almost out of place. I don't know. Yeah. There's, there's a surprising amount. There is a lot of comedy, and it's kind of, the movie, I don't think really settles on the tone. Actually, it does, but the tone is kind of undone a little sharply in the climax for reasons that we'll get to. Because yes. <laughs> uh, it's kind of lighthearted, honestly, despite the, like, dark tone or despite the dark happenings and the yeah. dark lighting of the camera which is too dark by the way yeah that's what i was just about to say speaking of dark um the dark scenes in this movie are really dark yeah. they're really difficult to see they're too dark uh but this movie did have more color in it than league of extraordinary gentlemen to be fair uh not like a ton but it did have more there is some green there's some red and uh some orange the bride's hair so van helsing is about to shoot the werewolf um when anna stops him um the werewolf gets away this is where anna and van helsing have that exchange where she says uh that's my brother i know did you know before you were about to shoot him yes and then she slaps him or whatever (laughs) um and then there's a series of events that I can't really remember, but it ends up with um, Van Helsing and Anna going to Castle Dracula to find her brother and to kill Dracula. No, um, they go to Castle Frankenstein first. Oh, that's right. That's right. There's that's two right. castles. Oh, my God. Because um, Castle Dracula is hidden in a secret ice dimension. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. My bad. <laughs> Dracula's plan is he and his brides have been mating. Um, which is apparently something vampires can do. And mm. they, um, they, he is trying to give them life. They are, they are dead, so they cannot give them life on their own. So he is trying to re- recreate um, Professor Frankenstein's uh, experiment to create artificial life because he cannot find Frankenstein's monster. Which is, it's not revealed until, like, way, way, way late. But he needs Frankenstein's monster because he contains the secret. He has to be used as a conduit yes. to actually create permanent life for... I know, it's so complicated. Boy. <laughs> um, so, um, they get to Castle Frankenstein. They walk through a maze of testicles. Um, <laughs> the, the egg sacs. <laughs> the egg sacs yeah. like giant balls. Um, uh, they're given life. Um, through the, the same process that created Frankenstein. They go and harass the villagers, but they explode after like five minutes because they didn't they didn't do it right. It wasn't the right kind of electricity. They used <laughs> the blue electricity when they were supposed to be using the green electricity. Yeah, come on, get it right. Um, and this is where we get the, the, the confrontation between Van Helsing and Dracula, where Dracula like reveals that they've been doing this dance for thousands of years. I... And his real name is Gabriel. Yes. Is what? Gabriel. Oh, right. Like As opposed angel. to Abraham, which it originally was. That's true. Um, the left hand of God. Yes, Ooh. the left hand of God. Like um, and then what, Dracula flies away or something. Yeah. Um, so. Um, my note on that is, da, 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 da. 
oh, the subtle homoeroticism of Dracula and Van Helsing's interactions. But I think that's more on Dracula's side because in the classic tradition of movies, the villain gets to be a lot more flamboyant and possibly gender non-conforming than the hero because the hero is stoic and badass and manly. Right, only villains can have questionable sexuality. Exactly. Dorian Gray. Yeah. Dracula. Actually, yeah, there are some similarities to be had here, even though <laughs> the actor who played Dracula was also in League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, played a different character. Um, but yeah, uh, I actually really don't remember the resolution of that thousands of years thing. I don't remember. And he doesn't have his memory. He lost his memory. So is he just like some kind of ancient immortal being because he only gets transformed into a spoilers a werewolf in, in like in this movie like right yeah uh, i don't so what the hell is Justin? that <laughs> so just parsing it together this is a good time to bring this up is all of this is happening uh in castle frankenstein uh carl is back um at uh anna's family castle home whatever it is yeah, like, uh, and he sees a painting in there come to life that depicts Two knights, one turns into a vampire, one turns into a werewolf. Um, it's also revealed around this time that Gabriel Van Helsing is the one who originally killed Dracula. Or is that yes. revealed later? He was a human. <laughs> I, what, not to get ahead of myself, but what is the point of that? Uh, yeah, what does that I don't say know. about the characters? So that, I, I think that. it's saying for some reason there's a there's a missing link here somewhere but i don't think any werewolf can kill dracula i think specifically van helsing as a werewolf because he had those silver claws and teeth that the other werewolves didn't have it made a point of showing that i wonder what other oh, Hugh jackman character has silver claws anywhere. <laughs> hey. I, that. I just noticed that he was way bigger yeah and like black he can kill him because he big werewolf yeah, not a, like the he, other little werewolf he's an s tier oh the God. other guys were just like c <laughs> anyway very convoluted i right i just don't like, really understand why, that. why did he lose his memory i <laughs> yeah like and and i think it no offense to the movie but i think it says something about just how important or non-important this uh detail was that i didn't even remember that it happened and it didn't change anything about what i my concept of the movie like yeah everything knowing, could have happened without that being the case knowing yeah. that they've like done this before knowing that ben helsing is like an ancient immortal being it literally changes nothing about no, the movie it, right which is i guess that doesn't make it bad necessarily but i think everything that happens in a movie should have some purpose and i question and this doesn't really provide any additional meaning it feels like yeah, yeah it's just an odd choice and I don't know. It's especially funny when you take it into account with um, the uh, whatever canon Van Helsing of <laughs> Bram Stoker's Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> well, how did he end up here? Yeah. So, anyway. Justin, what happens next? So, after all this goes down and Carl sees the painting, um, uh, Van Helsing and Anna, uh, they escape. I keep calling her Anna, frozen. Uh, Anna, how is it pronounced in this movie? I think it's Anna because I remember them saying Anna Valerius because it all kind of runs together and I thought that was cool. <laughs> like it sounds like one word. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Okay, so Anna. Even though Anna would make more sense because she's European, right? Anyway, doesn't matter. So uh, Anna and Gabe Helsing, uh, 
escape from Castle Frankenstein and they end up in a cave uh, below the windmill that we saw at the beginning of the movie. Oh, and it's that is where Frankenstein's monster has been hiding out from Dracula. And I love the monster in this movie. Yes, I I liked this turn. Yeah, he's a very compassionate character. Right. I, I like I wrote down compassion for the monster. I wrote down a question mark because I wasn't really sure how it was going to play out. But um, I did like how it played out. Um, I liked that it was kind of a continuation of the Frankenstein character. But, like, instead of using him as, like, angry guy smash things, they actually did explore his humanity and made him into a sympathetic character. Yeah, his misery. Right. And, and I liked that they showed Van Helsing having compassion for him because he could have easily been a, I'm a stoic badass character and i have to kill any wayward creature oh which yeah we get another uh, i say important it's not actually important to the plot at all (laughs) but it's but we find out there are caveats to what van helsing can and cannot do interesting it provides depth ah yes yes if a creature is truly evil uh if a creature is not truly evil van helsing cannot kill it yes Ooh, because anna was like we need to kill the monster and he he fights back. He says, "No, I cannot kill it, and I'm not going to let you." Um, right, because he is, as I noted earlier, a warrior of God, a badass who is also religious, which is a favorite trope of mine. <laughs> Speaking of tropes, uh, we have yet another amnesiac hero in the, oh, and the villain right. who knows his past, which yep. is yet again just like X. <laughs> ben Helsing is Wolverine. And so is Dorian Gray. Um, so we team up with the monster. Well, the the monster has been hiding because he cannot be found by Van Helsing or by Dracula because he knows Dracula's plan. He knows he is the key to the plan. Um, also, just uh, talking about Frankenstein's monster uh, for the rest of the episode. We're just going to call him Frankenstein because that's what they end up doing in the movie. And yes, I know <laughs> that's technically wrong, but shut hey. up. Think about it this way. He views Dr. Frankenstein as his father, and Frankenstein is his last name. So in a way, it's like him taking the name of his father. And it's like, (laughs) Frankenstein was my father. Call me monster. (laughs) What? Ray Skywalker? Oh, my God. (laughs) Yes, that's exactly the same thing. (laughs) Moving on. um, So Van Helsing says he's going to keep Frankenstein safe. So they get on a horse and buggy. Uh, Van Helsing gets on one. Anna gets on one. And it's not revealed yet which one Carl and Frankenstein are in. Um, But it kind of makes you think they're in Van Helsing's. But when they get attacked, twist alert, they're not. So the, the brides show up and they're heading towards a river which vampires cannot cross running water. Um, it's just a general, I think, like evil spirits in general cannot cross running water, um, is the belief. And, but the bridge is out! So, so we have a, a carriage being drawn by six horses, and all six of them make the jump. Yeah, without any the, difficulty. They just, they just clear it. But oh no, the carriage fell! <laughs> oh no. And it smashed upon the rocks. But guess what? It was empty. <gasps> Pull the old bait and switch on them. Yes, and that's when it's revealed that there's another carriage, and that's where they actually are. And the second bride dies here. Yes. And then the werewolf shows up. 
Yes, and Anna's brother. Uh, it's Anna's brother, and they fight again, and blah, blah, blah. And he gets thrown off a cliff into a river a again. second time. <laughs> and again, the hero who helped throw him off the river, or throw him into the river, is bitten. Oh, the, they did that twice. Man, now I'm mad. They did the same thing twice. <laughs> Anna's, bro- Anna's brother falls off the cliff with the with the werewolf, and the werewolf dies, and he gets turned into the vampire. In this scene, uh, Van Helsing like throws her brother, the werewolf, off the cliff, and as he's falling, like he bites or scratches Van Helsing. <laughs> this movie can be a one-trick pony at times. Um, and also, like they don't trust Frankenstein yet, but then he ends up like saving Van Helsing's life. Yes. Um. um in the aftermath of this, Van Helsing is bit. Uh, he is going to turn yep, into a werewolf, yep. and uh, the one surviving bride kidnaps Anna. Yeah, she just scoops her up and is like, bye. <laughs> it's that easy, apparently. So things are looking bleak. My notes have gotten really sparse here, which I guess is kind of a good thing. I've noticed, you know, the more engaging the the, the movie is, the fewer notes I take, mm. because I'm too busy watching the movie. Um, um I have a note around this time frame is we've seen a lot of werewolves on a lot of different nights and we will continue to see more. How many times is the moon full in this universe? Is it like full for a week? I am am willing to believe that this takes place over the course of just two nights. The first time we see them fight a werewolf is like a full like month or a full cycle before Van Helsing shows up. For such a long movie, it is pretty fast-paced. Like, a lot happens. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm willing to believe that, like, a full cycle passes between her brother disappearing and Van Helsing showing up. Yeah. And I'm also willing to buy that, like, the the moon is full for approximately two nights, right? Like, it's not... If you ever watch the full moon, like, if you keep track of the moon at night, it's not just one. You generally get, like, about two nights. Um, which, I mean... I could be wrong. There's probably only one night where it's considered full, so we'll just uh, we'll chalk that up to some some fuckery. Maybe this was maybe this all takes place in one night. The second part, all oh, these werewolves. I'll give it. I'll give it the benefit of the doubt. Wait, yeah. no, but there's literally because we're about to get to it. Um, uh, the surviving oh, the bride thing. returns and says that tomorrow there's a party, there's and going for, party. in exchange for the monster, they will give. Then Helsing, Anna. So at least one day has passed from all this. Damn. Which brings us to another of my favorite movie tropes, which is our heroes have to, for some totally contrived reason, infiltrate a fancy party. Um, and those parties and are lit. I know. I always love this. Mostly I love it because it requires them to dress up in fancy outfits and be like uncomfortable about it. Um, however, did they dress up? Well, Anna did. Did Van Helsing? Yeah, him and Carl were wearing masks. Uh, yeah. The balcony. Uh, Van Helsing changes costumes because he, uh, he steals the costume from the uh, trapeze artist as well. So Van Helsing wears two costumes to the party. Oh, right. right. A man of many oh. clothings. Uh, yes, <laughs> so I do enjoy this scene. It's fun. I like, um, I'm always a fan of some Dracula has sexual tension with anyone, frankly. Uh, but uh, in this case, it's Anna. And <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie has a great note here. 
it's kind of random because it's more just about the Dracula mythos in general. But I said, um, Dracula is about two things, classism and fucking. <laughs> uh, so the, those are the central metaphors of everything Dracula. Uh, it is about the way the aristocracy prey off of the lower classes. And it is about people wanting to bone and that being a scary thing, especially women. So <laughs> that, that we get a little bit of that here. Don't do it. You will get pregnant and die. <laughs> um, so there's a random reveal that like everyone at this party is one of his thralls. Yeah, like, apparently. They're, or no, they're all vampires. Okay, that's yes. not really they're, not thralls. they're all vampires. Like how that is. It's a vampire ball. <laughs> Which is a great concept. Don't get me wrong. But like. What we do in the shadows totally ripped that off. <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, but solid villain plot. Like, we can think of the regular party and, oh, surprise, all vampires. <laughs> Oops, all vampires. <laughs> if I had a dollar for every party I've been to, where that ended up happening. <laughs> so so they're, they're running away. And this is where Carl finds out what his sun grenade is for. It lights up the, the, the party and kills all of the vampires chasing Except them. Dracula. Except Dracula, because he's too powerful. <laughs> I was going to say, that was almost too convenient. Like, oh, these vampires that just got introduced just as easily got killed, like, immediately afterward. Like, sure. But not, yeah. but not Dracula. Also worth noting, they weren't able, uh, well, they hit Frankenstein, but he was captured, and they weren't able to save him. So Dracula has Frankenstein at this point, but they got right. him. Which is funny, because he just had Anna, but then I guess they rescued her, but now he has Frankenstein. I did like that moment um, where Dracula's talking to Anna before everything goes down, and they're talking about the trade, and he reveals, of course, he's like, oh, I was never going to give you away. Do you think Van Helsing or I are men who settle for half? I did like that little cheesy villain speech. I didn't even notice that line. God, you know what? I need to watch this movie again. I've seen this right. I've seen this movie twice. I saw it like years ago when I was in like high school or something, and I kind of was like half paying attention. I was like, "This is kind of dumb." I'm sorry for thinking that. (laughs) Anyway, and I watched it now while I was furiously taking notes, so Mm -hmm. I need to actually pay attention to stuff like that. It is also worth noting that during the confrontation at at Frankenstein's castle, um, Van Helsing tries to kill dracula in all of the usual ways he drives a stake through his heart he reveals a cross which burns up and it's revealed that dracula cannot be killed by normal vampire killing means that's a twist um, which is how he realizes that van helsing does not have his memory uh gone through this before that's another thing that uh the crucifix scene um it was very cool because uh, it was very clearly hurting him, but in a way that yeah. he didn't give a shit about. Like he just kind of screams and waits for it to melt instead yeah. of head melting. It was very cool. There's a lot of really good ideas, really cool sequences in this movie, but it just doesn't congeal very well. Yeah. <laughs> um. So what happens after the party scene? Um. They go in the water, and that he realizes he's going to start turning into a werewolf. Um. Oh yeah. Oh, he gets angry. <laughs> and Greg. Right, Igor, Igor slowly sails away yeah um, and then they go to the place I guess this time it was Benny who was on the right side of the river hey, hey. <laughs> um, so what really happens until we get to Castle Dracula is a giant giant third act exposition dump <laughs> um, so I'm just going to kind of blaze through it if you guys have notes stop me um 
because I don't have any more until we get actually into Castle Dracula. Yep, go ahead. Okay, so uh, having failed and losing Frankenstein, they return uh, to the uh, Anna's family's castle. Carl explains that Dracula um, is somehow related to Anna's ancestor, and that big uh map is actually a door which oh surprise the torn parchment that uh the church gave van helsing that he arrived with is the final piece of the incantation that opens the door this is also where we realize that only a vampire can kill dracula and also that dracula has a core or not a vampire only a werewolf can kill dracula this is also where the monster tells our heroes that (laughs) dracula has a cure uh for being a werewolf so it's a lot of information or, just all at Or lycanthropy. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so with all of that, they come up with a plan that uh, Van Helsing will turn at the first stroke of midnight um, and has to be cured before... Uh, I, don't, I forgot how it's worded. The last the final stroke of midnight. Um, so they come up with a plan that as soon as stroke one happens, they're going to let him transform and fight, and then they're going to cure him. So they walk through the big ice wall, and we are in Castle Dracula for the final showdown between our heroes and all of the creepy, creepy crawlies. Uh, Dracula has a bunch of henchmen called, what was it, the Dwager? Dwergy. Dwergy, that's what it is. Dude, which so I meant random. to research, but I couldn't. I I'm sure it. there's some kind of canonical basis for that. They're like little piranha jawas. I can't remember. <laughs> piranha jawas. I mean, yes. Or maybe. <laughs> but like not as good at fighting. That one that they like slightly uh demask and he's just going is so funny. I love a good yeah, so they're all infiltrating his lair. Um, Justin, walk us through. I don't have any notes. Okay, so they're infiltrating the lair, uh, which <laughs> Van Helsing does with hops. Uh, very, very powerful werewolf hops. He just kind of grabs <laughs> everybody and jumps up the castle. Uh, they run into... Oh, right, as a dude. He's just got, like, super strength as a dude now. Yes. Um... They run into Igor, who they um, convince to lead uh, Carl and Anna to the werewolf cure, while uh, Gabe Helsing, who I'm now calling him, uh, (laughs) Gabe Helsing goes to confront Dracula. Uh, Anna and Carl reach the uh, cure, which is covered by acid, which, uh, what what does Carl say? What does Carl say? It, about not sticking your hand in a gelatinous substance or something like that. Great advice. <laughs> it, was, it was solid advice. Anyway, it's a trap. Surprise, Igor locks him in a cage and runs away. He, I love his little, ha, you thought you get Igor, but Igor get you. That's <laughs> 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 the way. Um, and they escape by using the acid that was holding the syringe to melt the door, if I remember correctly? Yes. Smart. Uh, Hmm. And I don't remember exactly how they get the cure back, but I know when they do, that's when the final bride 
shows up. Ah, uh, yes, and there's the bride versus Anna fight. Yes, um, and this time, uh, all this time while this is happening, uh, Dracula has succeeded with the first lightning bolt he needs to give life to all the little babies. Um, and he's waiting on the second one. The bat demon hell spawn. Yes. <laughs> what I wrote. <laughs> Why do you want them? Like, what is his To rule thing? the world with a bat demon hell spawn army. Surely he could have come up with, I don't know, bigger, scarier creatures. I know. They're like know. a foot long. Also, important note, all these little Hellspawn will die if Dracula dies. That's important. To right, know. that's kind of a big problem. Movies be pulling that shit all the time, honestly. They're like... How do you know? Why are they tied to him? Yeah, if the big guy dies, then everybody dies. Just like if you killed the... Oh my god. Sorry, you can't say that. Let's cut that. Can we cut that? So he wants to have this big army of them for some reason. Um... To rule the world, I guess, with his children. Um, God, what happens next? What happened to the werewolf versus vampire fight? Oh, Does yes. that happen next? Uh, uh, hold on. So, after Dracula gets that first lightning bolt that he needs, Van Helsing is spotted uh, trying to release the monster from the table that he is tied to. Um, he gets knocked down. Right as he's letting uh, the monster go, but the monster is mostly free. But surprise, one of his ankles is still uh, tied to the table. So lightning strikes, and boom! All the little hell spawn are in the process of being born. This is where uh, there's some monologuing, and Van Helsing turns into a werewolf. Um, I don't exactly remember how the monster gets free, but I know he does because after Van Helsing turns into a werewolf and starts fighting Dracula. We cut to what our other heroes are doing. And I have a note here that says uh, Monster Rube Goldberg Machine. Because yep. I don't remember what happens, but there's a series of events with Frankenstein getting free, Igor dying, Carl and Anna passing the syringe. And it's very like one thing leads to another very, very well. And I love it. E- right, Igor and Carl are having a fight on the bridge. We're having a henchman fight. <laughs> Frankenstein like swings by or something oh, and saves him. That's it. He swings by, which knocks uh, Igor off the bridge. The monster has the syringe. He swings into the castle, knocking the bride off of Anna. Then he hands <laughs> Anna the syringe. He stays back to fight the bride. Anna then swings on that same rope back to Carl to give him the syringe, but she's interrupted by the bride swooping out. Uh, And the bride is monologuing over her about how she's going to kill her. Uh, He has tossed a silver stake from Carl and there's a stupid line that I love a lot uh, where she's being monologued at, and then she cuts off the bride and is like, and I think if you're going to kill somebody, you just do it. You don't just stand around talking about it and then stabs her. <laughs> yeah, that was a very lampshade moment. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, which was totally merited because the brides just talked a lot, like, about how they were going to kill them. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, uh, at that point, I guess we've taken care of both the last bride and Igor. Yep. Yes. Left as the boss man. The, the boss big boss. Man. 
Um, so everyone else is headed back up to where the main event is happening. And this is where we have a very cool uh, werewolf vampire fight. You can tell they didn't have the budget to keep Dracula in his monster form the entire time because it keeps changing back and forth. Well, yeah. Which was why, like, why even bother having him in a monster form? Because the brides also did it. Well, but why do that? But they didn't need to do that. I think they were trying to make it look cool and, like, horror adjacent, but I felt like it was kind of unnecessary. Like, part of th- what makes them so scary is that they look like people, but they can do this crazy supernatural shit. Like, I don't, I don't really get the point of it, besides the general aesthetic, I suppose. I do want to ask uh, our fans and the internet at large this. Um, what was the first use of vampires turning into big monsters? Was it Castlevania? Let me know, because I'm very curious and way too lazy to do that deep dive. <laughs> All right. So, werewolf vampire fight. Werewolf wins. Spo- spoiler. <laughs> spoiler. 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 Were- and werewolf. it's so quick and unsatisfying. One night. Yeah. It's so unsatisfying. It's literally like a two second shot. And then like, you don't even see the body slump to the floor or anything. It's just like, he grabs Dracula, bites his neck. And then like, we're on to like personal interactions between the heroes. It's so weak. And then almost immediately, Anna gets a shitty death too. <laughs> yep. yep, this it's is... A, it's a, the worst one-two punch. Uh, so the other heroes show up um, and... Uh, Van Helsing is almost full, like committed, can't turn back uh, werewolf. So Anna startles him. So he yeah, jumps on her, uh, and, which kills her, which, by the way, she has been hit way harder than that multiple times throughout it, the movie. Like, they wanted to have him kill her, but didn't have the balls to have him rip out her throat. So he just kind of hit her too hard. He just tackles her. Yeah, yeah, he tackled her the wrong way. Um, and that's where we get the moment where we realize that the syringe went in just in time so he's howling which turns into crying which Which is supposed to feel powerful it (laughs) would have if it was done well but it just wasn't okay i'm sorry can i just point out how hugh jackman ends up in this position a lot uh (laughs) i'm sorry once again having just watched uh the x-men movies i was like something's familiar about this like he's uh standing there uh despondently holding the body of an unconscious or dead woman uh, which was reminiscent not only of The Last Stand, but also of the first X-Men movie. Fortunately, Rogue was not dead, but um, she was the most fortunate of these three unfortunate female counterparts of Hugh Jackman. I mean, God, we're running out of refrigerators to put Hugh Jackman's girlfriends in. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody called Lowe's. <laughs> Yeah, this was honestly. I think that's probably the thing I liked least about the movie was the this part of the ending because, like you said, it's a one-two punch of Dracula being kind of randomly killed in a not very dramatic way, which is very contrary to everything else Dracula is involved in in this movie. Oh, right. and, and like in um, he's main centerpiece. He's super dramatic. His death. Yeah. More dramatic. Oh, it should have been. So dramatic. He should have gotten in a last like line or something. Yeah. Like he should have been like bleeding out, watching all of his spawn slowly die, like yeah. very theatrical. But nope, just like, gets dusted. 
Dracula is so dramatic and he has like so many monologues. I agree. He he should have had something. And Moriarty had way less screen time in League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, but even he gets a whole sequence where uh, Tom is like, you know, ma- learning using the lessons he learned and like there's a whole right, sequence it's emotionally about the hero resonant for that reason. Out, yes there's a whole sequence of the hero taking out the villain yeah. using the lessons he's learned the villain like doing his thing and running away yes. and like, he dies as opposed to dracula it's just you think it's going to be like the next part of the fight but nope this time he grabs him bites him and drops him and that's it and you get the sense that they very much wanted to move on to the real emotional meat which was what happens to anna but even that it happens so suddenly uh, you're like whoa, whoa what the hell well, I, I was halfway joking when I uh, said that they were running out of money and that's why he's in his human form for half the fight. But it really does feel like they were like, oh, we're out of money. We have to get these final shots in quick. <laughs> yeah. No more CGI. Kill the vampire. <laughs> just just uh, kill him. Just... So yeah, pretty it's... much. I'm sorry, Seth. What was that? No, no, it's okay. I was just saying the same thing. You guys were just, it's too rushed. It we should have felt a lot more about both of those characters dying, obviously feeling different things, but we, it really needed a lot more time to sink in. Yeah. Um, Cause after he does his whole werewolf to human screaming over her body, we cut almost instantly to where they're burying her on a mountain by herself, not at a graveyard. Just like burning her on a pyre. Uh, Frankenstein is sailing away, doesn't even get a final line, just kind of like looks on at them and gives them a nod. I kind of wonder where he's going though. I want to see that sequel. That tiny raft. Yeah. Oh, and you kind of, you can vaguely make out Anna and her brother and her uncle's faces in the class. Yeah, my final note was Simba. (laughs) (laughs) But just barely, you almost couldn't see them. Yeah, it was very rough. If you weren't paying close attention, you wouldn't notice it. The the closest it gets is at the end when it's just her face pretty big. Yeah. Like, that's when you notice, but everything else happening. And I'm sorry. Not to get on the, the Stephanie soapbox, which actually we need to make a segment for these episodes because it ends up happening every time. Um, to more or less indicate that well, the the ungenerous reading is that she's saying, thank you for killing me. Uh, that was so great of you. I'm happy now. It was actually great that you killed me. Um, the more generous interpretation is that it is a kind of benediction. It's a forgiveness of him because she knows that he didn't mean to. He couldn't help himself. He was a werewolf. And he still ended up saving her family because Dracula is dead, now they can be in heaven together. Which I totally understand. I'm sure it's the latter that the movie's going for, but the <laughs> the implications are a little weird. Because Thanks, boo. Right. <laughs> it's just like, hey, great job, guy. Like, like <laughs> I'm sorry. It's, it's like she's. <laughs> It's like at the end of the Cell Saga when like Gohan looks up and like there's Goku like giving him a thumbs up. (laughs) 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 Well, it's because 
the the transition from him killing her and her lying dead in his arms to her smiling at him happily from the clouds of being dead it it happens so quickly that it's just kind of like oh i guess we cool (laughs) it and i'm not saying that like it i'm not saying that she should have been angry at him like obviously like the same thing happened to her sadly that happened to her brother which actually makes it even more tragic now she was trying to save her brother who got turned into a werewolf and then got ended up getting killed by her lover who was also a werewolf yikes this movie is dark um but i don't know it's it's a weird vibe and it doesn't help that you know she's the only important female character besides the brides who all die too and then she just randomly dies at the end when there was actually now that I think about it not really any reason for that to happen like I once again as we mentioned earlier in situations like this I asked myself how would the movie be different if this didn't happen or if this happened differently and it's kind of like how would the movie be different if she didn't die I guess okay to be fair they probably had to kill her off because (laughs) Van Helsing of Bram Stoker's Dracula does not have a lady friend, so for that reason, she right. could not. He has be to there. be able to move on to the next thing. Yeah, right? but he's also not the left hand of God. But wait, okay, <laughs> that's true. Now that I think of it, how could Bram Stoker's Dracula even be a continuation of this? Because I don't think it's supposed to. Died. I don't think so it's supposed what is, to. Oh my god, what is this continuity? It's just its own mess of a thing. This happens instead of, like, the original story. Which makes it even more inexcusable that she dies. There was no reason that had to happen, especially because the werewolf thing doesn't end up sticking around with him. He ends up getting cured, so it's not like this is a a problem he'll have to struggle with down the line, like, as a werewolf man, but he he's just not a werewolf anymore. Like that chapter of his life is over. So it's just so weird and like pointless. And once again, I wouldn't mind it as much if the movie had a more tragic tone, but it's just kind of, I don't know. Like it doesn't feel dark enough for the way it kind of wraps up, I guess. Well, there's no real, there's no change in him. It just feels like him and Carl are going to go back to the Vatican and just take their next job and whatever. Yeah, which is why I feel like if they were going to have her killed off, it should have been in some other way. Or maybe she could have, like, sacrificed herself for him or something. I still wouldn't, like, be a huge fan of it, but something like this ought to have bigger consequences and bigger payoff because it is our hero. It's our protagonist who... Yeah, but he doesn't really have a character arc. He's kind of... He has a flat arc in this. Yeah. He's the same, he's the same person at the end as he was at the beginning. Which of is story. sad because I feel like he was a character that was ripe for a um an actual arc. Like him learning of even of his past doesn't change him at all. Mm. He's he's the same character. No, a lot more could have been done with that. Um I think maybe a good arc for him would be learning more compassion. Like maybe if he started out as a real paladin type who is like hardcore religious and believes in this black and white view of evil um and he just goes around uh, indiscriminately killing anything that gets designated as other but then he maybe learns to appreciate the you know like frankenstein's monster he learns to recognize that not all supernatural beings are evil 
and he learns to be friends with I don't know (laughs) something like that it's just odd like it's an odd character you know not sure what to make of him do you guys have any final notes on this before we move on to conclusions um no uh, same as League of Extraordinary Gentlemen um I I enjoy this movie I enjoy this movie more than League of Extraordinary Gentlemen um I just think it really like it's fun and schlocky all the way through, but it really falls apart at the end. Yeah. Um, no satisfaction at all, which if you're investing two and a half hours into a movie, like, come on. Yeah. Also, to compare it with League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, can I point out how both of them, uh, a main character dies at the end, but um, there is an old ass man who has passed his prime who dies, and there is a young beautiful woman with a love interest who dies but only one of them gets to come back you'll never guess which one (laughs) i'm sorry i just noticed that especially with the whole cloud thing i remember the clouds rolling in real fast like the cloud imagery um when quartermain was was being theoretically resurrected and also the cloud imagery with anna smiling and giving a thumbs up to the guy who killed her. Um, <laughs> it was his fault, to be fair. Um, but I just thought those two ending scenes don't compare very well to each other. Yeah. <laughs> or they do compare well because they're so similar, but the implications are not great. Yeah. Um, my general thoughts are going into rewatching these movies. Uh, it's been a while. I watched them a lot, like mostly in middle school. Um, so I expected them to be worse than I remembered, or I expected one of them to be, like, pretty bad. But neither of them were, like like I said at the very beginning, that bad. Um, I hadn't seen, it had been much longer since I'd seen Van Helsing, so I was a bit more apprehensive about that one. I was like, this is going to be rough. And then, you know, it was, it was pretty good. See, um, I, I had the opposite problem. Um, I've seen Van Helsing... Uh, from the year it came out, uh, I watched it a lot. Uh, my family had the DVD like as soon as it came out, and I watched it a lot as a young teen. And then I haven't seen it in years. Um, but I kind of knew what to expect. But League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, I had only seen one time prior. So I was very, uh, very scared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think... Um, let's see. I had seen like i said van helsing this was the second time i watched it when we watched it for the show um and i had seen it kind of one time before but like i said wasn't really paying that much attention except to certain parts um so really i've only seen the whole thing um once Mm -hmm. um league of extraordinary gentlemen i had seen two or three times um yeah i think they're a similar level of quality uh, not they're very um all right movies yeah not too bad not amazing but they show a lot of um ambition and a lot of i don't know enthusiasm yes um and of van helsing is basically the only classic movie monster missing is the mummy because he doesn't really fit in here but like (laughs) you said steven summers directed those so this man really has a wheelhouse um, I know. And these are these are the type of movies that I wish we got more of now. That I feel like we don't yeah. get these schlocky 
um, pseudo fantasy, maybe inspired or like schlocky pseudo fantasy adventure movies, like mid budget oh, summer yeah, blockbusters. I'm gonna I'm gonna coin a turn uh, term here, and I'm gonna call these uh, sandwich movies. And by that I mean when you're watching it, you have a good time, but you can also like get up and make yourself a sandwich, and you're not gonna miss much. <laughs> <laughs> I want more of these. You're right. You know, it's, it's, it feels like they've all been replaced by superhero movies, which I love superhero movies, but there's a special place in my heart for movies of this particular like oeuvre yes well and i like it too because it shows a certain iconoclasm i suppose because it takes these classic characters that we're generally pretty familiar with you know alan quarterman i don't know but (laughs) (laughs) um and uh kind of i don't know takes them in a weird direction that is fun to watch Mm. however um this is my criticism for both of the movies. I think that would actually be more fun to watch and would work better as a concept if they stuck more with the characterizations, with the original characterizations. Um, God, I can't believe I'm saying that. <laughs> I usually hate when people say stuff like that, like, um, <laughs> he's not sticking with the original text. But I think if you are going to make the whole conceit of your movie that it is playing off these classic characters, this classic literature, you should lean into that a little more. Um, and you should keep them pretty close to how they were written and see what you can do with that. You know, like, I mean, I like Van Helsing. Uh, I like Van Helsing as a character concept, but he feels very, very different from uh, the, I don't know, quote unquote, canon Van Helsing. I would have liked to see a little more, since it kind of functions as a prequel, but also not, I would like to see a little more of a segue into how we might see him end up becoming that person. Um, and it felt like a completely different character. Like the only similarity is the fact that he is religious and he hunts vampires. Um, and I just think that, uh, I don't know. there are a lot more interesting places they could have gone with these characters. Mm. Um, does anyone else want to say something? Well, I'm, I'm just sitting here trying my hardest not to go into an explanation of the lore of Castlevania and why it does what this movie does so much better. That's a whole different podcast for a different day. (laughs) I don't really know anything about Castlevania, but I do kind of want to watch the show. I've heard that it's something I would probably like, so I'll probably have to watch it at some point. Um... I think these movies are what... No, that's not. I want to start that. How did we get from these <laughs> to the Mummy starring Tom Cruise, uh, which mm. just feels like a Transformers movie? I, I, I want this back. Also, yeah. how pretentious are we using Uvra and Iconoclasm back to back? What do you mean we? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, anyway, bring know. back the mid yeah. bu- the mid budget okay action movie. All right, no, not way every the movie was has to be amazing. But I don't know, maybe no. it was. But <laughs> not every movie has to be amazing. Right, and I like the. I want popcorn movies. 
Yes, I like that the concept itself shows so much imagination, which honestly feels beyond what we normally get with our blockbusters nowadays. Mm. Like, it is based on already existing material, which God knows is all we are doing now for movies, but it does something so different with them and purposefully different. It's not like a wink, wink, nudge, nudge, like, okay, we're going to take this in a little different direction. It's just like, okay, what if the thing you know but explosions? That's <laughs> cool. We, we like that. That's, I don't know. I, I feel like that's kind of been done, well... I don't know. I don't know much about that new Robin Hood movie that looks bad. Uh, I've heard it was remarkably bad. <laughs> that seemed very different to me, but I don't really know. I was thinking of that movie that it felt like it was yeah. kind of an attempt to get back to this, but yes. Ay. Well, I think that maybe they didn't go far enough with it. Like just the mere concept of a team up movie with characters that are from completely different stories is great. Yeah. Like, it's great enough uh, when it's the Avengers and they're all from the same universe, but they haven't met yet. It's even better when they're from these completely different universes and they get smushed together. And what do you do with that? Like, I don't know. I really love that concept. I really love the idea of taking a, an old stodgy novel and making it into a stupid action movie like, I'm sure there are plenty of people who don't like that concept because it's kind of dumbing it down a little bit, but I think it can be fun, and I think you should kill your darlings to a certain extent. You should play around with your classic literary stodgy white man canon and do fun <laughs> things with it. I think there's a lot of room for that. Yeah, I, I really... Um both of these movies and the concepts that they play with i i want to see them revisited with uh a little more focus um and i think we could really have something fun potentially something great oh uh, yes i would love to see um god while we're in the era of sequels and remakes why not uh sequels and remakes of these like uh like why not get some big name or not even big name actors in on it and just spruce things up a bit you know even league of extraordinary gentlemen kind of gave me similar vibes to um guy ritchie's sherlock holmes movies mm -hmm. um, yes very much so. yeah very similar uh even some of the setup for like the it's villains plan turn with, of like, the century the industrialism yeah war. right the, i i think that there is some basis for that and i really like those movies i think they're great i would actually love to talk about them at some point on here um I don't know. I think that is something that you could do a lot with. And I would like to, I would like to see it applied to increasingly ridiculous. Like I would love to see a team up of like, <laughs> like classic heroines of like Jane Austen, the Bronte sisters and like all four of the little women. Or Emma, just, all the yeah, exactly. Sisters. Just get real ridiculous with it. Or maybe they don't even have like a, a Avengers type team up, but maybe they somehow end up in the same universe and they all fall in love with the same person. Something stupid like that. How great would that be? I'm just saying all these little pieces are on the chessboard. We could be playing with them. Why aren't we playing with them? Beth is just trying to get us into a literary orgy. 
Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was remarkably on brand. What if Elizabeth <laughs> Bennett and Jane Eyre actually had a secret affair? I'm just um, All right. Does anyone have any final thoughts before we close out? Okay. So something I want to start doing for these episodes, and sorry I'm springing this on you guys, <laughs> um, is a fun question at the end that's kind of related to the stuff that we've been talking about. So uh, my question for this one is if you were going to make like a reboot of either League of Extraordinary Gentlemen or Van Helsing, who would you cast in like one of the lead roles? Like, do you have any ideas? Could you see anyone doing this? Who'd you pick? Just okay. Uh, I'm I'll gonna, go first. I don't have mine yet. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Van Helsing just because that's the uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen for me has too much for me to wrap my head around. Yeah. Um, Van Helsing. Uh, the lead role I'm gonna give to Adam Driver. I support this decision. Yes. <laughs> uh, Very much. Anna. I'm not sure my brain went to Brie Larson, but I'm like, she's not like dark enough, but she could be. She could Hmm. be. All right. Uh, And Dracula, weird choice. I think I'm going to go, I think I'm going to go Ian Glenn, Jorah from Game of Thrones. I like it. I feel like he would bring a very different energy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. (laughs) I'm going to go with Anthony Hopkins as Alan Quarterman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who played Van Helsing. Yes. He, he played Van Helsing in uh, Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula. So that would be a fantastic turnaround also. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to see Saoirse Ronan. I, I don't know. Maybe like Mina's part because I love my girl, but she only does like high art. Fancy. Like, I want to see her do something a bit lower brow. Uh, <laughs> something a bit, that more, brow, a bit more fun like she is a fantastic actress I've been in love with her since the city <laughs> of Ember and that's not creepy because we're the same age um, <laughs> yeah I, I, I don't know I, I want to see her do something it's kind of a severe character like, severe great. yeah I like it um, God, I want to cast Florence Pugh in something Me speaking too. of little women thinking. actresses mm-hmm. I just don't know what She's she's a bit too short to play Anna. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Like, as much as I want to cast her, I don't know how much I see her in either of these roles. Uh, though maybe I would just cast her as Tom Sawyer and just not explain it. Oh yeah. Um, I would. Just, I support that. <laughs> I mean, she's got the kind of a similar look, uh, even though she's not American and she's not a guy. Oh well, but, here's the here's the thing about that though. You don't even have to call her Tom Sawyer. She can be from literally any novel and still have as much characterization as Tom Sawyer did. <laughs> Thank you. You know what? You're right. She could just be some random chick who I guess has a country accent. Okay, see, no, she... no, 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 this works. This works. They both, I, I, I'm imagining Florence Pugh in like Tom Sawyer's outfit and it's working. And then, <laughs> and it's the, doing something for me. And then, you know, she can, she can still flirt with Mina. Exactly. It's, it's, We'll just we'll just queer it up a little bit. Everything's working out okay. <laughs> <laughs> Everything is great. Um, gosh. Oh no. Now I'm trying to think who I would cast as Dorian because Dorian Gray. Yeah. Uh, someone. A bit Timothy Shelton. <laughs> no. Someone. Someone a, a bit more. Okay. Is it? Yeah. 
you're right. Timothy Chalamet would make a fantastic. He has drawing, the right? look for sure. Yes. Um. I, I keep being stuck on Avengers actors, but uh, uh, oh my god, Loki. Oh, why can't I think of his name? Ooh, Thomas. Yeah, Tom you're Wilson, right. Yeah. You're, I think he would make a great Dorian. Um, he has the personality. He has the face. I could see it for sure. Yeah. Um. Um. Just yeah. Mm, casting someone for see i w- uh, i also want to uh, for carl i would cast the guy who played ridley in national treasure but that's just a lateral move Riley. <laughs> Riley. that's 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 the lateral, same yeah it's the same type of character yeah um yeah actually he, even he the would same be great. time period those movies came out roughly the same time so uh, what is not... the name? i'm sorry guy from national treasure and also <laughs> the hangover <laughs> i love you <laughs> you're a great guy even though we don't remember your name Oh gosh, yeah. I, anyone else? Anyone else? Any other decisions? Jeez, I can't anymore. Like obviously there are other characters, but I'm like having a harder time pinning down a type for them. Um, and I think we've got some good stuff here. Stuff <laughs> uh, to work with. Either, either as M or as uh, gentleman thief. I would cast uh, Mark Evan Jackson, who plays Sean on The Good Place, uh, and <laughs> oh the lawyer Parks and Rec. <laughs> I love it. I didn't know that was his name, but yes, I really like him. Uh, <laughs> that's a great idea. Oh my god. Um, I want to cast the guy who plays Cheaty, speaking of The Good Place, in something, because I just really like him, but I don't know how I... I don't know who I would cast him as. Mm. So... I'm gonna have to put a pin in that one. Maybe like Jekyll and Hyde, because he has like that kind of like soft-spoken, nerdy side. But he's also jacked. But the, yeah, I <laughs> he is strangely that. jacked. Um. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, um, maybe uh, Anna de Armas as Anna. 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 Ooh, yeah. That's I have good. seen like nothing that she's in except uh, Blade Runner and Knives Out, but I really like her in both of those. Yeah. And I feel like she could pull pull that off a lot. She already has the accent. She's got the severity. Yeah, she has like she can go between severe and soft. Like I don't mm-hmm. know. I think that would be really good. Mm. Any That's... other thoughts, gentlemen? No. I think we open it up to the audience. <laughs> Yeah, please give us your suggestions. Uh, please help us get these sequels made. Let us see them, okay? We stand B movies. Yeah, we, <laughs> yes, do. we do. Especially this type of B movie, the kind that has imagination. All right. Thanks for listening to our show this week. My name is Caleb. You can find me on Twitter and Letterbox at actual underscore Caleb. Um, I'm Stephanie. You can find me on Twitter at Steph has no name and on Letterboxd at Raise Left Boob. <laughs> there is a story behind that. Not much of one. Maybe we'll tell it someday. Uh, I don't. Even, I don't even want to go now. Uh, you can find me on everything at Blame It On Butler. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night. Love you. Thank you so much for listening to our show. You can find us online on Twitter and Instagram at SoundsFamiliar. If you'd like to get in contact with us, drop us a line at SoundsFamiliar at gmail.com. We'd like to thank our friend Chelsea for our logo. Be sure to check her out on Instagram at ChelseaBHDesigns. We'd also like to thank Shane Quick for our theme music. 
If you feel so inclined, please leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to tune in every Tuesday for new episodes. We'll see you next time on Sounds Familiar.